What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to Tour Life. We have a massive, massive episode. Yuli's going to jump jump in here at some point. We'll we'll hear why he's late, but he did give me a warning, letting me know that he's going to be a little late tonight. And I was like, I can't wait for you, brother. Our show we got we got too much to talk about. Too many people, too many guests, and we're off to the races, folks. Uh, first thing, as always, channel members. You see them already in the chat. If you're watching this live with us here on YouTube, we've got some new emojis and uh, new um, badges as well. So we've got like a little star badge for the one month one monthers, and then as you move up, you'll get different tour life ones, and then you get like some gold, bronze. We got all sorts of stuff moving forward. But we're at 60 members, and also let me know what you think in the comments. We have heard that people enjoy the Tour Life crew, TLC, Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. That might be the name we give our channel members, the TLC, the Tour Life crew. Let me know if you like it, love it, hate it, and we'll go from there. Uh, Guys, big, big show, like I said, not just because we have some massive guests coming on tonight. This is our first podcast that we have a sponsor. Yes, we have a sponsor, and that sponsor is none other than Double G Jerky. If you don't know, Double G Jerky comes in incredible flavors. You've got the Hot Boom Sauce. You've got the Garlic Lover's Dream. you got the Nate Sexton Sweet and Spicy. That's their actually best seller. you got the McBeast Barbecue Original Smash Cracked Pepper Teriyaki. you got all sorts of flavors to pick from, whatever you want whatever you're feeling. Uh, they come in one ounce bags too. So if you're looking for that perfect snack while you're out in the course, Double G Jerky has you hooked up there. Also, if you didn't know, Double G uh, Jerky, every time you buy from, every time you buy jerky, it goes to Double G's Children's Foundation. So every bag sold contributes to the promotion of youth disc golf. They have bought disc baskets for any inner city kids and have also donated thousands of dollars to families in need. So not only are you getting an awesome snack for you on the course, but you're also helping uh, youth disc golf, getting more kids involved with disc golf through Double G's Children's Foundation. And if you're interested in buying some yourself, or maybe you need to pick up a new order, go to Double G's website and use code FOUNDATION to receive 10% off your next order. I think I'm going to go... Me personally, I think I'm going to go with the teriyaki. And here's the thing. I'm huge into people that support this show. I'm all about it. So you best believe I'm going to be having some double G jerky in my pockets and in my bag moving forward. I'm going to go with the teriyaki to start with. And then I kind of want to see what the smash cracked pepper is all about. But let us know what your guys' favorite flavor is. And big shout out. Thanks to double G jerky for sponsoring tour life. We appreciate it. It looks like T- Yuli is in. I don't know if Silas can get him in here. We got Yuli. Yuli, you in? Hello. Welcome. Do you, do you uh, have a reason for your absence? Uh, people were curious. Do you, do you have a date night? Were you uh, out in the course? What, what's, was what was the going on? Of course, man. I have a local league that I play every Wednesday um, when I'm home. And so I just got off the, yeah, I just got off the course. It ran a little late today. They got a, they got a late start. They've been um, doing some work on the greens and stuff. So we didn't get, 
going as fast as we could have, but hey, I'm here. I was only a couple minutes late. I'm not going to say I was speeding because I definitely wasn't. But uh, jerky? Double G coming also, in hot? Real quick, Silas, can you move me to the left or is or is it the right way? Because I, I want Yuli to like look at me versus away from me. Does that make sense? If you flip, I don't know if that makes sense. But it feels I, like I Yuli's, hear what you're saying. Yuli's like looking off screen right now, and I feel like I if you put here. me in Yuli's spot, well, no, no, weird, now but... you're freaking me out. Now, well, now you're freak. Now you're <laughs> freaking me out if you do that. Um, I was either gonna say flip, flip him, or you could just switch me with him. But all right. So yeah, Double G Jerky, first sponsor, Yuli, pretty dope. We made it. Hot boom sauce, dude. Is that your go-to? Hell yeah. Dude, I did see I played with uh I played with Garrett a few holes um yesterday and he threw what I think was the furthest drive farthest. Gosh, I gotta get that right. He threw the farthest drive I think you will see all tournament on hole eighteen. I will have to show you where this thing ended okay. up. It is wild. Absolute wild. Um all right. Let me tweet this out real quick because my tweet tweet did not go through. But we got some uh, picks recap here with the new scoring. Our boy Steez hooked us up and actually went back and changed all the old scoring formats. So, Yuli, it's actually closer than I think you thought, the score update here um, with the new updates. I'm currently leading at 18 points, but you got 15. And let's just say we had some big stinkers picks <laughs> from this past week yeah, we not did. gonna lie uh paul Macbeth finishing outside the top 20 what that was tough and that was tough chandler kramer not a forehand course i you tricked me into that one i don't know how i feel about it and then obviously calvin being calvin got me a t-third wait i saw chandler leaked into the top 10 at one point what, for 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 one hole did he no did he during the start? second round I was watching because I was done and so I was happened? watching and he was playing good the the lap, final round he did not play well he was in contention for a top ten but that I did been my switch pick. pick I need to do that every week I need to pick somebody switch it last pick? second because that worked out well for me again what'd you do I can't remember I went from Clemens to Gannon. Would Clemens finish? He, not inside the top no, 10, I don't no think. No 10s. Yeah. Um, okay, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Do you think we should have it to where you can't pick? So we pick six people every week. Yep. Do you think you should have it to where next week we can't pick those six people? I love that. Because I feel like Calvin's going to get picked every single time. Yep. And Gannon's going to get picked a lot. You know, Some of these people are going to get picked a lot. So I think that kind of allows us to cycle through some new players. What are okay. your thoughts on that? Okay. I, no, I'm in. That makes okay. total sense. And that makes it too a little more dicey. We can kind of get a little freakier with our picks, which I'm all But can about. I I can't even pick your picks. Right? No, no, that's a, all six right. people are out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So to kind of just give everyone a heads up of what's going down tonight, because I think this was an interesting thing that me and Yuli kind of talked about about how we wanted to do like interviews and stuff moving forward. I think some situations it makes sense to have that hour long sit down chat interview, right? Ken Climo, yeah. perfect yeah. sense. Uh, 
probably after Worlds, right? Whoever wins the World Championships will probably want to sit down with both the FPO and MPO for a while. It's going to be easy because the, the winner's sitting here already. Okay. I, I'm down for either one of us <laughs> winning. I think that would be incredible. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, but I think for this show... What makes sense, and I kind of just posed this question of like, hey, what if we got, instead of like one guest, what if we got a bunch of people on and, you know, did like little 10, 15 minute segments, right? And I feel like this could potentially be great. So we would love to hear. This is obviously our first kind of trial at having multiple guests on for a little shorter period of time, I guess you could say. Yeah. But we're going to try to hit, a hit them with a bunch of questions quick get some uh, answers, and then we're going to move on to the next guest. So just to let you guys know what's coming tonight, at 8.30, we're going to have Simon Lazad on, okay? Then we've got Anthony Barella coming on at 9, Sayananda coming on at 9.15, and then we've got James Proctor coming on at 9.30. That is what we have coming up. It's, it's honestly, I can't wait to talk to a lot of these people. Uh, Simon, second time on the show. And then we've got three new guests all on the show. So cannot wait for that. Before we have Simon come on, let's just quickly talk a little bit about the Music City Open. Obviously, we're going to talk more about that with Simon after him pulling off the W. Can we call this Mudfest 2023? Is that what we is that what it was? Was it just a complete mud mud Olympics out there? Anybody that I've been talking to, I you know, the question comes up is this the worst start to a season ever as far as weather goes because every single week and not even necessarily the rain because some it seems like some people almost play without the rain you know so yeah. they like some people have a completely different tournament than the next person mm -hmm. but in general the temperatures have been low what are it's we been doing cold what really I cold. Thought global warming was a thing is it yeah. not it's it's cold man everywhere uh, hopefully moving into champions cup that changes. I looked mm. at the weather, the weather switched to being bad again for us this weekend. It looked like it looked rain like, thunderstorms on Friday, rain thunderstorms on Sunday. Yeah, we might, it might be a two round tournament. Me likey. <laughs> yeah. Yeehaw, let's go. <laughs> I will say I am a strong advocate for cuts. Even on three-round wow. tournaments, strong advocate. And that last tournament was a perfect example of where I was yeah. just like, I'm so far out of cash. It just cut me. Just end me, end me off, you know? Like, I'm, I'm a wounded animal slowly walking through the mud, and I'm just waiting for a hunter to just pull a rifle out and just finish me. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just, yeah. I don't no, know. No, I 100% I, I agree. I mean, this is, it's getting to the point where, you're right. If you're playing bad and you imagine if you're in, it's past the point of this. This is what it used to be. Let me tell you about like back in the day. Mm -hmm. It used to be people would get in and anybody could play in the pro division as long as you just signed up. And so people were stoked to play in the pro division, even if they were in last place. And that might be a couple people now who get their shot. They get into the tournament. They're playing. They want to play the final round just because of the experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that used to be a thing. It might be for a couple people now, but we're past that point to where now it is. 
No. If I'm in last place, I don't want to play the final round. The the turn it used to be also if you shot like a 1080 rated round and you were in 90th, you could come back to 30th place. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing anymore. It's not going to happen. Like you're so far behind. I mean, 30th is only a few strokes off of the lead sometimes nowadays, you know? I was I started around at 4 over, I want to say. Yeah, I started around at 4 over and JT Hancock uh did I say JT? GT Hancock. I say the same thing sometimes with him. GT Hancock was four over as well. I played with him. He shredded. He shot 10 under and was last cash. Like, shot one of the best rounds of the week. 10 under. Shot one of the best rounds of the week and went from, went from like 80th someplace to last cash. Where what you were saying, like in years past, you shoot 10 under, you're jumping up into a top 30 potentially. And now it's just, it's just not that it's not that case anymore. And so, you know, we got to look into the cut situation because I would have loved to just been done after Saturday and, and, you know, hightailed it over here to got, get an extra day of rest or like, and you know, maybe some more practice yeah. because clearly I, my game was not working for me this past I, week. I also think that it'll bring in an extra, something for the yes. for the announcers to talk about right mm-hmm. so if maybe we have really good players on that cut line all of a sudden you can cut to those people to see who's making a jump and actually bring that to um the forefront of of whatever the stream is that they're doing uh creates more drama um if there's a cut at every hole all of a sudden it's not a cash streak which i don't like sometimes you can make the cut right now and miss cash like in vegas that's ridiculous that is wild and so instead of that, it should just be cuts. Like how many cuts have you made in a row? Not how many caches mm-hmm. have you made in a row. Essentially the same thing. But I think for sure it would bring in that extra drama. And we've seen that a little bit with like Sexton. He has this crazy cash streak and they go to that and there's like a Sexton watch now at big tournaments to see where he is. And the, I've heard the announcers like bring it up because there's a little drama there. That right there should be with all the players. Who's making the cut? What's the cut line at? And and let's talk about that. Well, and I think it also gives it to where right now the the cut line or ca- you know cash line, however you want to view it, at Music City Open was on the same day as the winner was announced. So yeah. no one really cares if Brody Smith is battling to to make the cash when everyone's watching Simon, Gannon, AB, Ezra, everyone's watching those guys battle. No one cares about little old me in 85th place trying to make cash. However, if that was happening the day before, now that's a story. Now people are, yeah, they're paying attention to the leaders, but also who's not going to play on the weekend? Who's not going to play in the final round? That's actually a storyline that you can can talk a little bit about. And uh, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, do we, okay, I guess before Simon comes on, do we want to talk? Because I have a couple stories that I want to talk about what happened at me, with me at this tournament that I think you would get a kick out of. And I kind of want to hear, obviously, you know, you ended up DNFing. How's the health? How all that yep. stuff? So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Sure, I'll go first. I'll be happy okay. to. Go for it. So I'm playing first round. It's cold. It's raining again. And I'm playing 
and just not good. Just not good. I had a little anxiety for some reason this first round. I haven't had that much anxiety in a long time, okay. and it hit me hard. And was so it, it was second round that you started shredding? Is that what it was? So yeah, yeah. So first okay. round, I just played bad. Okay. High anxiety, bad conditions too. It was cold, and I just didn't have it. Um, ended up in places that I just shouldn't have been. Whatever. Second mm -hmm. round, I look at the scores, and I'm like, okay, if I go. You know, six down, seven down, six down, seven down. I'll I'll get in the cash, which I mm -hmm. I look back and it was pretty close to that. I think I would have. I think cash so, was right around like five under, four or right, five under. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm playing, and I'm playing the second round in the worst conditions you could ever be in. I mean, yep. it is when we the woke up, it said no rain. Right. It was like yeah, what? Who was, are these weather people? They they literally are. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're a weather person. <laughs> you you do not have a real job because you are the only for profession that can constantly be wrong and continue to have a job. How <laughs> maybe an analyst? Me and you also we're constantly wrong about stuff as well. So maybe yes. us as well. Maybe there's not. Maybe we are kind of the weathermen. <laughs> we are. I think maybe we, we are have the same job. <laughs> it um, pisses me off, man. It pisses it, me off. Hey, me too. Because here's how it goes. It's horrible. It's cold. Colder than it said it was supposed to be. It's raining. Luckily, I have the best caddy in the world. So we had towels. We had umbrellas. Like, I'm ready, right? Everybody else on my card, one guy showed up in shorts and a t-shirt. No towel, no umbrella. Because it's April, Yuli. It's not supposed to be 40 degrees in so, April. So what I'm on doing? this card, and I start off well, right? I birdied the first hole. I birdie like hole four. I get another one. I miss a short putt. I'm almost four under. Torrential downpour. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm killing I'm killing it. Like, I don't even have to. I'm playing so good, I don't have to look at scores. You know, like one of those rounds where I'm like, oh, I'm just gaining on everybody right now. There's no way. Keep playing. Miss another short putt, but it's fine. Get to hole eight. And uh, it's the one with the little, that little piece of plywood yeah. at the end of the tee pad, right? Yeah. And I have to throw like that Anheuser with an overstable disc to get it to fit through that that fairway. So I'm leaning way back to hit this angle. Throw it. My foot slips a little bit on the actual turf. Hits the wood. Just, I'm talking the fastest I've ever hit the ground in my life. Oh. My Half my body went this way. Half my body went that way. Fell on a rock. Hit my shoulder that I've been nursing just wrecked my ankle and i get back up and everybody's like oh my gosh what blah 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 like my caddy's like dude are you okay did you tear or something like it looked horrible right but luckily it didn't it wasn't that bad right i just kind of sprained my ankle but it was fine i was able to walk on it i'm like no i'm good i'm good let's go because i'm playing well so we keep going and I'm, I'm hobbling around a little bit and just being ginger which you had to be anyway, so I wasn't really that worried about it. It's not like I was running up full power shots anyway because yeah. everywhere was muddy. And I get to hole, I don't even know what hole it is, but I tee off and I get a bad kick. It goes over this little trench. And so I'm like, okay, how do I even get over this thing? And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump over. I'm going to have my other foot land there, and then I'll be fine. Jump over slip off of that straight mud shred my ankle again bam and i just looked up at the card and i'm like um i think i'm done like i hobble <laughs> up there my ankles 
like wrecked i throw another shot even worse and i'm like so then i like chase my disc like a hundred foot at a time tap out and i'm like all right guys like have a good tournament i'm done i'll walk with you i'll keep score because i was a scorekeeper gotcha so i like walked from uh 16 all the way up to 18's t so i didn't have to go up and down the hole and then they played and at the end i got the scores and, and that's how my my tournament ended because i was like dude the conditions the mud was so bad like you didn't have a good light anywhere mm. it was you're playing in a cow pasture literally mm. yeah that's it my, was... but that's my story that's how, that's how it happened Jeez. How, well how are you feeling now like how's how's it after a week so the next day rest you know did all the things day after that it was really ginger that day next day pretty good today i'm perfectly fine i got i wear a brace now i wore a brace all day and and i'm i'm good well fingers crossed we don't get too much rain because you might be getting we might be getting the same mud fest 2.0 i might i might pull out honestly because (sighs) of the weather like i can't I can't there's, keep playing in these conditions. I heard this is an elevated. There's a, a lot, lot of elevation, of, and a it's lot all mud. Of elevation stuff. Yeah, so there's going to be really weird lies, and yeah, it's. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, we can go out and play tomorrow, and then you know make the call from there. Yep. Um, okay, we do have something in common, which I'll get to here in a second. Something that happened in your round also happened in my round, but let me just tell you real quick: Have you ever exploded a hot hands? Those little things? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. Have you ever exploded one of those? <laughs> yeah. Is it is there pine sap inside of them? I don't know. What is inside exactly of those things? I know exactly what you're Bro, talking about. So I'm so Robbie C, who caddied for me, did a great job, by the way. Caddied for me. We're on hole nine, which is that par three downhill. Yep. And I throw forehand on that hole. And my hand is at this point in the round. This is where it's been rain. This is, I believe, round two. It's been yeah. raining on us all round. It's 40 degrees. I can't feel my hands. So, like, I'm literally just, li- uh, you know, holding on for dear life with these hot hands. And I'm rubbing them, like, into my hands because it feels good to, like, rub the, the warmth in yeah. my hands. I'm not just holding them, I'm, like, rubbing them. And then all of a sudden, I, like, pull out my hands and I, like, lick my hands a little oh, bit just no. to try to get a little bit. And I'm like, like what the heck? And I look, and my hands are all black. Yeah, and I'm like, bitch. what? And then I pull out the hot hands, and I, I guess the friction of my hands being cold and kind of like damp on the hot hands made a hole and ripped them. So now my hand has this pine sap all over it. Yeah, like it's literally the stickiest thing of all time. And I look at everyone on my card. I'm like. Guys, I need like a minute. Like you got, I need, I need to try to get this off. Like this is the stickiest thing. And it's on these three fingers, the three fingers that matter <laughs> the most. My thumb, my index, and my middle. The three fingers that matter the most for a forehand. So now, I'm dumping water on it, using my towel, trying to get it done. And I'm like, it's still really like thirty seconds go by. I'm like, it's still really freaking sticky. I feel bad. Like I need to, I need to throw. And I'm like, all right, here we, uh, let's just go. Bro, the disc does not come off my hand, launches straight into a tree left. That's like, you would never think that's even possible to hit. Ricochet straight OB. So now I'm like, okay, I guess I'm reteeing. So then I take another 30 seconds, dumping water on it, throwing my hand in mud, trying to do anything I can to get this pine sap off my fingers. 
So now I have all this moisture and mud and all this stuff on my fingers. And now I'm trying to throw again and like, just imagine just the disc not even being in your hand. Like imagine just holding it like a, like a pizza pizza and just doing this, just a straight coming right out of my hand, but like almost like on my reach back, it felt like it came out of my hand, had no grip at all, just shot straight, right? So then I proceeded to finish the hole out. I got, I think I took an eight or something on that hole or a six or yeah, I took a six on that hole. So I tripled that hole. And then I proceeded to the rest of the round. I was like, is my finger, is it still pine sappy or not? (laughs) And I, I kid you not, dude, it was the, it was the most frustrating, hardest thing ever because then I had, I would have one forehand that it would stick on and then I'd roll it over and, and then I just began to the point of, I'm not going to throw any more forehands. I can't trust this. I'm not going right. to throw any more forehands. Right. And what is 16 and 17? 16 and 17 are forehands. Yeah. So like that round was just an absolute nightmare. Then I get into my car and the parking situation, no one knows about this. The parking situation for us was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. You had a couple like different rows of parking and then in between each row, I don't know if people were just spinning their spinning out. I don't know what happened, but it was just like, imagine going to some college party where they just have mud wrestling with girls. That was literally what the the road was. (laughs) It was was just mud for like mud wrestling. Everybody got stuck, bro. I'm in, I'm in my car and I I'm looking around. I'm like, I can't get out. Yeah. If I go straight, I'm just gonna go straight into this mud. So I'm talking to Kelsey about my round. I'm just telling her like the pine sap situation. Well, I have another story too. I haven't got to. Well, I, oh yes, sorry. Before that even happened, before I even get in my car, hole 17. You know how the elevated basket is a little elevated. Yep. Or sorry, the T pad's a little elevated on that hill, and we're kind of throwing downhill. Yeah. I'm so worried about the pine sap hand that I'm like, I'm just gonna use my body and my arm more than my wrist, and I'm just gonna rip this forehand, and I'm right. just gonna go for it. Right foot slips on the right edge of the tee pad. Body goes horizontal, and I just launch off the tee pad. I slip off the tee pad and fall oh, probably no. like three feet down, just straight on my back and right. And I, you know, I'm a little, it hurt a little bit, but it hurt my feelings more than anything. I'm like, this is one of the like, oh my God, I just did this in front of so many people. The disc also went OB, which also sucked, but. So all this has happened now. Now I'm in my car talking to Kelsey about it, leaving the parking lot, and then immediately like get I'm like, I just gotta go on this mud. Start going, and I'm like, I I feel like I'm about to get stuck, Kelsey. I feel like I gotta I gotta I gotta juice it. So I just start juicing it. <laughs> the mud is just spitting up on my tires, covering the whole right side of my car. My whole right side of the car is just straight mud. And I'm just spinning the crap out of these things because I was like, the last thing right now that I need is, is get my car stuck. <laughs> and I have to just be in this situation of me being pissed off about how bad I just played. Luckily got out and then left. And I was like, you know, that that just sums up my round. That, yeah. that just sums up my tournament. That That's essentially what my tournament was. Mudfest 2023, I lost. Nashville kicked my butt. And you know, shout out to Nashville for taking taking one to me, yeah. because nice it job. was um, nice job, Nashville. Way to go! Way to way to way to just absolutely dominate me. 
Here's yeah, a question. I, I don't really have this, anything good for today. This happened to me in the round. So question yeah. about this. Just a quick one before we have our, our guests on. Hold but, on one second. The stream ID you're p publishing it to is already in use. Please try with a different invite link or... Oh, crap. Silas, can you give me? Can you text me a new invite link? Because I guess the one I sent is not going to work for them. Uh -oh. Sorry, continue. Question. So on hole four, par five, second shot, I throw it over over the little spot, and I'm in a tough lie with like yep. some branches. I end up throwing a spike hyzer over all the trees where the basket is, end of hole one's fairway. Okay. Wow. Out of bounds. Yeah, so, shot. Yep. So I, I have to take that meter in, right? And there's nothing. You know those woods. There's nothing. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out my lie and definitely taking a long time. And a guy on my card goes, 30 seconds. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm yes. like, oh no. Oh no. And then I because me and Brad are sitting there and I'm like, Brad, I think I gotta go back to where I just threw from. Do I get oh. 30 seconds to walk back 430 feet? Or Kevin Jones done? asked this. Ke Kevin Jones asked this question at European Open on hole 16, and and we got Simon here too, so we can maybe have Simon pop in and give his thoughts on this. But he was basically saying on that one hole where you like throw shots, and if you go OB, you just have to keep rethrowing. Yeah, he's like, well, what if I want to use one of those discs I threw? And the guy was like, well, if you go and get the disc and come back in 30 seconds, you can. Which would be fascinating to watch someone just sprint to try to get a disc <laughs> and sprint back. Um, but yeah, the, the, the but time what if violation I choose stuff, my lie 450 feet away, which was where my previous shot was. Do I, I feel like your time shouldn't start until you get to your lie. Right. And so I don't know, but we have Simon here. Let's not let the, let's not yep. make the man wait any longer. Just coming off a huge win at music city open. Simon, how are we feeling brother? Very good. Happy to be home right now and excited for next week. Heck yeah. Thanks for coming back on the show. You came back a little sooner than we thought. I don't know if you thought you were going to come back on this this fast. What, what were your thoughts on that? Were you, I were was you, shocked when I saw your text. Basically. You're like, what the heck? Well, I mean, I think... Yeah, and I, I was on Smashbox last night, so I was like, I said everything I had to say. Well, you know, maybe some people, you know, want to... We, we might ask some different questions, so we'll see what happens, and maybe some people didn't catch the Smashbox one. So we'll see. we'll see what happens here. Uh, but yes, Simon coming off of Music City Open champion, basically just absolutely shredding the last few holes and uh, coming from Chase Card, which is apparently the theme this year. Yeah, last. No, I think five. Wait, four of the last five, right? Pro I believe so. Yeah. And you were able to take down the Chase Card King and Calvin Heinberg, who also was on Chase Card. And I don't think it was talked enough about that Calvin totally should have won. I was like watching three circle one pots on the last eight holes. Yeah. I was watching a little bit, uh, a little bit of coverage at the end and saw some of that as well. Do we lose Yuli? Is Yuli gone? Blacked out. It might just be me and you, Simon. That's fine. I got a bunch of questions to ask you anyways. Okay. First one I have to say, first one I have to ask you is, I see you, that you're throwing a lot of forehands now on some holes that other people on your card were throwing backhands on. Is is the elbow, everything feeling really, really good, and you just feel like your forehand's working to the point of where you just like that shot on a couple of the holes out there? 
I have this weird phenomenon going on with my forehand. My elbow doesn't really bother me on my forehands for, um, I think, at least a year and a half. So forehand throwing is not the problem, but for some reason, in practice, I can't get my body to throw proper forehands. I don't need. I don't know if I need like this tournament adrenaline or what it is. But if I try to throw a forehand in practice, it's like it just never works, and it just feels weird in my body, and it feels weak, and my body What's hurts afterwards. My miss is often like too much highs or early release, and just no power behind it at all, so no snap like, at all. Just coming. Oh, interesting. I mean, I yeah, can hear you I'm guys. Just, I'm just uh, my video's just gone right now. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just can't get my body to commit to this throw i've never been a sidearm thrower really like in my entire career even when i was a kid i was never a sidearm thrower at all so i don't know it just felt really good last week for some reason and i've never really even thrown any mvp this on a forehand in the last two months because i don't think i threw almost any forehands in austin um definitely not in vegas so I, I was shocked. I was surprised. Not only was I like full of confidence with it, but like I think almost every single hole I threw a forehand on, I birdied. Maybe one I missed, but besides that, I, I birdied every time I threw a forehand. Pretty ridiculous stat. Yeah, the one the one that I was most surprised with, because I mean, I've obviously watched your, your game evolve over the last few years, and. I would agree with you. Like your sidearm, I would always say is like manageable, right? Like it's serviceable. You can, you can get up and down when you need to. But the one that really surprised me was hole 14. That is not an easy sidearm for someone that doesn't feel like their sidearm is a good, like a, a, a strong part of their game. And for those listening, it's like a 345, the, the T pad, the T sign was wrong. It's like 345, but it requires a very specific like flex shot. And out of everyone that I saw play that hole all week, I felt like your shot on that final round was just absolutely perfect. You didn't go like super high with a lot of turn and then flex it out, which would give you like a 35, 40 footer. You went the low route, which kind of gave you that little skip at the end and got you right underneath the basket. Was your Did thought you see on my that round two shot? No, they I did not identical. You should look at it. It's like literally identical to the frame it's it's pretty yeah. hilarious well i mean that's consistency right there yeah yeah round one i had like a 40 footer i left it a bit too wide a bit too much angle on the on, off the tee and then round two and three i just bullseye both like literally hit the same spot on the ground i think twice it was ridiculous like i, I don't usually do that and i don't know why so, it happened or how but it just happened so question you're throwing the sidearm so good the whole round. Why switch to the crazy spike hyzer on 17 over all the trees? Dude, first of all, the wind, we were throwing into a headwind every round, I think, on that mm -hmm. hole. Yep. And for some reason, you know, when you walk up into a headwind, it almost feels like it kind of like a, it's pushing you back a bit. Yeah. It's like a force for field. To, it's like a for, force field, yes. <laughs> for me to throw a confident forehand, I need just everything to line up perfectly and into a headwind, I just was not feeling it, especially with the OB everywhere and the water carry. I mean, I was confident in my forehand, but for a headwind shot over water with a, a OB surrounded basket, and I only practiced the backhand hyzer, which I was going to ask that. Did you went backhand hyzer easy. all 
You went backhand Heiser every round? Yeah, I threw it OB in round two, but that was a really bad uh, win judgment shot. But other than that, you can throw it so safe and be circles edge every time. Yeah. That was my play on it. I landed yeah. um I landed safe with the with the Heiser. I might, everybody I might have the for some reason, in my head, that tough. hole was not a birdie hole. Like, for me, I was like, if I birdie this, it's a super bonus. I th probably for you guys, you want to get that one. But for me, for me, 16 obviously is a birdie hole. 18 was a must-get. And then 17 was just, oh, maybe I'll get a run at it for a two, but I'll just play it for a three. That was kind of my thought. But final round, obviously, I knew I had to attack, and I just threw it a bit more aggressive and bullseye that one as well. Well, what about your final shot on 18? How good did that feel? Hitting the base of it? Did you, were, was it like the biggest relief ever? And did you know that if, okay, if I get this one, I have a chance? Or did you know if I get this one, I probably win? Well, I wish the broadcast would have done a bit better in that situation because they didn't show me like run up three times to my disc because I was so nervous and I like didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, I was like physically like shaking my head trying to get like the dumb thoughts out of my brain before my throw because I, I was like in the best spot ever because of my slightly shanked tee shot. Um, yeah, what was the play? I was going to ask, what was the play there? Were you trying to go way left or were you trying to do what everyone else was doing, which is like the flex play around that big bush and get like way further up? Yeah, I was, I was throwing uh, a different disc on hole 18 than any other hole in the tournament. I threw that disc only on hole 18 off the tee shot because you have so much room and you just want to go as far as possible. So I wasn't very confident in the disc but I still wanted to throw it. It's a very understable high-speed driver. So I think I was just nervous and overcompensated for that angle a bit because I was worried about turning it over and having, like, no shot. So I threw it a bit too high, threw it a bit too much hyzer, so it kind of just, like, went straight and then hyzered out right between the two death zones and uh, ended up, like, with a 200-foot straight up the gut little putter shot to the basket, which... You looked like the easiest approach. Gap. I was going to say, it looked like the easiest approach out of, like, if you could put your disc anywhere off the tee, that's where you'd want to be. But yeah. 30 feet left, 30 feet right, really tough to get up and down from there, you think? Yeah. I mean, if I was in any of those tree bushes, I would have had to scramble to save par, I think. I, I, I got lucky to even have the shot, but then... I was so in my head during that 200-foot upshot, and I was so relieved when I out of my hand, I just felt like freaking nailed it and just tap in. I, I thought I was going to have to go into a playoff. Uh, that seemed to me to be the most likely case. Um, but then when I saw what happened on 17, I was pretty relieved and like in a bit of this disbelief where you're like, man, how? Because after whole... Eight, I bogeyed hole eight. I was only three mm -hmm. under through nine holes, yep. which is not bad. The, the front nine was really tough. So I was, it wasn't like a bad run, but it was definitely not I'm winning the tournament kind of feel. Um, I was just not, I didn't believe that I was winning another Elite Series Pro Tour event. It just it was like, like, really? This is how it's going to happen? <laughs> it makes no sense that that's what it felt like. And, did, did that belief? Did that belief? I want to talk about the guitar here in a second, but did that belief change a little bit on hole fifteen? Like hole fifteen, super super tough tee shot, and then you took the big hyzer route, which is also super risk. Obviously, a lot of reward for getting close to the basket, 
But if you're off by a little bit there and you clip one of those trees coming in, you're throwing your fourth from way back. So did you feel when you made that uh, birdie there and Calvin ended up not making that putt and you taking a one-shot lead on Calvin who had the lead on you the entire round? Now, obviously, you guys were on chase card and other people on lead card were doing stuff, but... Did you feel like a, uh, that was the switch right there when you you got the lead over Calvin after that hole, that you had a chance to win this? Yeah, I was definitely battling Calvin mainly. That was my main focus for the card because I think through 11 or 12 holes, Calvin was beating me by two. Two, yep. And I, I told myself, like, if I can birdie out and Calvin makes some mistakes and if I can tie or even get ahead of Calvin – I'll be super happy. Like no matter where it puts me on the leaderboard, like I just want to like try and beat Calvin. Cause he's like the best player right now. So it was like a little fun on the chase card battle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that second shot on 15 was, I have never practiced that shot. I was in the same spot in practice and in round two and in round one. And I threw the up the guts shots. And I felt like the up the gut shot is for me, like a two out of three times I'll park it. Okay. That's and the pretty one good, so. time, I mean, the odds are not bad, but the one time I might miss it, I won't even have a look at birdie because I'll hit branches early left or there's even a chance to turn it over too much into the OB. And I thought the over the top shot, if I just commit to missing left, if I miss at all, will at least guarantee give me like anything within 45 feet, which is all I wanted. Like, give me a look. That's all I was asking for. But then, of course, it stuck two feet from the pin i was like okay well i guess sometimes it just happens that way it's not really you can't really explain it like i wasn't feeling like i was playing for the win i was just throwing my shots and trying to play the smart moves and try to beat calvin and suddenly every single shot you throw is in the bullseye and you're like okay well i guess i guess next hole we'll see what happens then so you mentioned you mentioned the guitar. Where where does that stand as far as like trophies go? Because I'm sure you have a couple a couple trophies in your your trophy case at home. Where 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 are we at on that? Nice. Um, it must be. Man, I can't think of anyone that even comes close to being as cool. I mean, not only is it a sick trophy for someone that doesn't play guitar, but I've been playing guitar for like 15 years. I had. Back in Germany, I took five years of guitar lessons, and I was in a band back in the high school days. Um, and I've actually like really been thinking about getting a nice electric guitar, which I've never owned one. <laughs> I've always been like the acoustic guitar kind of guy, and uh, it just fits so perfect. And I can't <laughs> wait uh, to get my amp and start loop stationing it up and trying to learn some some nice little solos and rock and blues like i'm a big fan of all kinds of music but for some reason electric guitar has never really been my thing but i want it to be i got a question for you so you've won what is this five times in a year and a couple months is that correct i think it's less than a year less than a year less than a year five times in less than a year at what point does because I know how you think, you know, we're pretty good friends and you and you're honest with me and and you tell me all the time, like you you give let's just say you give a lot of players credit. Like you just gave Calvin a lot of credit, being like, No, he's the best, like he's playing the best. And you're aware of that. But at what point in time do you are you looking at yourself and 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 telling yourself, 
no, I'm the best in the world, you know, because we see that confidence a lot from, from Ricky and, and Paul to where they're not afraid to say it. They're, they're just like, no, I, I'm the best player. If I play my best, I'm going to win. At this point in time, Simon's not even playing his best golf and he's winning. Am I right with that? Like just by me being, I'm lucky enough to be able to do the commentary on all the lead cards. I see everybody playing. And is that thought ever coming into your mind? Are you saying at this point, like, no, if I play good, nobody's beating me and I'm the best player. Well, I, I think I'm a bit too realistic when it comes to that. And I don't really have this crazy mentality of wanting yeah. to be the best uh, or needing to be the best. What's the overlap? <laughs> oh, that was supposed to go to Silas. Sorry. Okay. I just texted Simon by accident. Wow. Sorry. Well, Silas, Simon, same difference. <laughs> yeah, it's very um, close. No, I Continue. just think that if we all would play our best, we would all tie because we would all birdie every hole. So saying that if I play my best, no one's beating me, that's basically me saying if I play my best and no one else plays their best, then I'm winning, which is obviously true because I, I know we all can throw every shot we've all done it thousands of times um and i truly feel like a bit except for otb open all other four of my wins someone messed up and gave me the win <laughs> kind of because two of them were from the chase card so the lead card clearly messed up and then robert bird was leading with four strokes with four holes to go messed up. And then Garrett Gerthy was totally in position. I was already OB on hole 18 in Portland and Garrett Gerthy messed up on the last hole. So I never really felt like I really outplayed everyone. I felt like people gave it to me. Maybe Do we why. feel like that maybe is a little bit with the courses we're playing now? There aren't these courses where if you have the lead that coming down the stretch, you know, you talked about Garrett Gerthy, hole 18, at Portland, not an easy hole at all, especially with him having to decide whether or not throw that forehand or the backhand. Uh, Robert Burridge down the stretch, some of those holes in Des Moines are very tough. Hole 18, again, very tough. And then this one with Gannon, now obviously he got the unfortunate skip off the old tee pad on 17. But 17 is not an easy birdie and 18 is not an easy birdie. So could it be one of those, you know, you keep kind of mentioning more like it's not necessarily what you're doing, but... I think it might be some of you're putting pressure on other people yeah. and they can't just be like, I'm just going to play for par. It's not easy to do that. And I feel like some people, you know, with that pressure of you are, are crumbling under that more than just giving it to you. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. I've been in, I've been in situations where I've been on lead card and chase card is pushing and, if you if you're looking at scores and you see the chase card has just had like five birdies in a row, you're like or eight. It, it freaks or eight. <laughs> it freaks you out and it, just, it becomes really annoying and can definitely change your entire mentality and how you go into the next hole. So I it, guess it definitely I, is a thing. I mean, being yeah. annoying from the chase card is like the best thing you can do. Well, I, I just think it's it's kind of fascinating to see athletes in their mentality. Um, you know, I'd almost like say like uh, like use basketball for example. You have like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant who are just these fierce competitors that people like feared, you know, like people always talk about it to where they're like, no, when I played against Michael, it was different than playing with somebody else. But then you have people like Tim Duncan, who was has won many championships, but he kind of came under the radar with that kind of mentality. And it's just it's just cool to me to see that that 
those different athletes and how it doesn't really the mentality it doesn't matter like it's just about playing the course getting birdies like you said and then seeing where the chips fall where they may and and that's really cool about sports in general so thanks for being honest with that question for sure <clears throat> okay yeah, a couple think... more oh sorry go ahead, go ahead. Uh, i was gonna say i got a couple more here before we'll let you go because i'm sure you're you got a busy one uh how are we feeling Maybe moving to sleep Baby's asleep. Oh. I'm good. Okay. How are you, how are you feeling moving into Champions Cup? I mean, I I feel great. I am in a better position in my life than I've ever been. Um, being a dad is slowly getting easier because the baby's walking and starting to be more fun to hang out with. Sleeping. So, uh, sleeping is still <laughs> every now and then he he has a good nap, but um, things are getting easier. And then of course with with my new sponsorship and the new team and everything around that. I mean, it's at a level where I like never could have dreamed of it would be and everything is going so smoothly. And I'm just overall so relaxed and happy, which I've not really been much in the last 10 years. And I mean, for some people focusing really hard and practicing really hard, that gives them confidence and that's what they need to compete. For me, it's more feeling relaxed and not worrying too much about winning or competing or anything that surrounds this whole disc golf circus that we're doing. Um, For me, it's just like, I want my family to be safe and happy and I don't want to worry about stuff. I just want to go and play Frisbee because that's what I've been doing since I'm literally two years old. And that's, I I can't overthink stuff and I can't try too hard because then it all backfires. I think if you do pull off this though, winning a major, winning five elite events in the last year, I think the the circus that you mentioned would probably get a little bit bigger after this one. Uh, because I think obviously with majors holding a little bit more weight, uh, it could be kind of interesting as well. With that being said, what what do you what goes into building your schedule for the year? Like what what is it, you know, you kind of just mentioned a little bit about, you know having you know the security and financial and all that stuff for your family but as far as the the tournaments go like what's important to you um for me it's a bit sad to say it but kind of the convenience of travel like i do not want to fly somewhere and then have to drive two hours to get somewhere then like for example emporia is not on my list this week because it sucks to get there Mm-hmm. Then potentially Ledgestone, Peoria is also off my list because getting there sucks from Boston. Um, any other ones? The one in Stockton is borderline too annoying to get to. I don't know why Stockton doesn't have an airport, a proper one. And all the surrounding ones are very close, but it takes me two hours to get through traffic. So it sucks too. Um, but no, I... I I choose tournaments by how easy is it for me to get there, basically. And can I find an, a decent hotel within reason of the course? Gotcha. Uh, Yuli, do you have anything else? No, that that pretty much sums it up for me, man. Congratulations. What an incredible start to your season. You know, only a few tournaments in to get the dub and and holding that momentum, I'm sure. I'm sure it was kind of a relief too, you know, changing sponsors and then getting a win kind of right away kind of uh, really, you know, makes that decision that you made because we, we talked about that, you know, us personally, how tough, well, you let the world know how tough that was of a decision for you to make. And I, I can't help but imagine it. There was a lot of pressure for you to, 
you know, kind of repeat what you did the year before. And then to get one out of the way right away, it's not the discs. It's you. So congratulations, man. Yeah, I I wish I could explain on why I never felt that pressure that people thought I might feel because of the switch or because of the contract or because of my last season that I had. For some reason, I, when I step, step up to a, the first tier of a tournament, I feel less pressure than ever. Like, I, I, I can't really explain why. Yeah, but, but what if you don't, what if you have a season and you don't win? And you're and you're not getting top fours. Would the pressure mount, or would it just be that same feeling? I don't know. I feel like I've done so much time and effort and work into making sure that my tournament finishes don't matter as much because of my other um, work job. How do I say? Yeah. It? Yeah, like your YouTube channel and building a brand where, you know, it's not it's not life or death if you if you play well or not. Exactly. I feel like I I I built like this great foundation to put the pressure off of my back. Yeah. Yeah, during tournaments because I'm not really playing for money. I'm not really playing for what what do you call it? Like, can't think of the word. I'm not playing for the accolades. German words like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! Good, I hate when that happens. good translation. <laughs> <laughs> like the security of like your your well being kind of thing of where, you know, if you go out and you don't cash, you, it's going to be a tough next. Are oh, you going to look it up? <laughs> Google Translate. <laughs> recognition there we go oh i'm not playing for recognition i'm not playing for money i'm playing because it's i love it obviously i I like competing of course that's why i'm doing it and uh but there's just no pressure i show up and have fun that's that's my job and i love that that's my job yeah all right, before we let you go here, pet peeves. You obviously gave it a lot last time. People loved them. Any new ones oh, yeah. come up in the last yeah, one? Uh, okay, here I'm we go. I'm so happy to thought of this. So there is this great rule in disc golf that's called benefit of the doubt. And I've been a part of many situations where this comes into play. And I see on coverage often situations where people are standing there and they're like going back and forth and they're not sure. But it's like the second you're not sure, the second you even have to think about it, it should be benefit of the doubt. Like the second you have to look twice or the second it's in any question, the benefit goes to the player. And I really wish that people would realize more that this this rule, because some people look, oh yeah, uh, dude, I think you're OB. I'm like, no, you can't think I'm OB. If you think I'm OB, I'm inbound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, players don't really know that rule and how straight cut it could be. Innocent like a, until proven guilty. The, what no doubt literally means is that there's zero doubts. If there's one <laughs> single doubt, you're already inbound. Yep. Yeah. And it, it would help pace the play. When you, see, 
when I see any debates going on, like just the fact that there is a debate already solves the debate. I like that. I don't think it's that cut and dry, but uh, I do no, like that. Pet peeve. That <laughs> it has to be. I, I want. I need. A, I, need a, I need to play better, Yuli, so I can have uh, Simon. Uh, I can play with Simon. I so would love to like, play with. Simon I don't know, man. <laughs> You're in. All right, sweet. Let's move on. All right, here we go. I, I often. This might be kind of a bad thing, but I often when when there's something in question, I honestly don't even look and I call him in balance because. For me, it's like, if there's any doubt, you're in balance. Benefit of the yeah. doubt. Done. I don't even have to look because I already know the situation. Yeah. If two, if one person's saying in, one person's saying out. You're in. All yeah. right. It would make it make things move faster. So I, 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 I like that. Pace of play, faster. I'm all about it. Well, Simon, thanks so much. Congratulations on a W. Enjoy your weekend off. And uh, we'll see you in Augusta for Champions Cup, brother. Hell yeah! Good luck this week. I hope uh, you're safe out there. I heard the the weather we're, might suck. We're gonna get the rain again, man. We're gonna get the rain again. All right, have a wonderful night. Enjoy the family. Peace out, Bye, guys. Peace. Good night. All right, that's Simon Lazat, ladies and gentlemen. Your Music City Open champion this year. Very interesting stuff, Yuli. Yeah. Just because one thing I one uh, knock I always had on Simon was the fact of his like competitive nature of where he right. just like doesn't care enough. And, you know, he does these crazy shots and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, he just doesn't care if he wins or not. I'm like, I don't think someone can be successful. He can. Yeah. He has been. And it's just an inch. I don't think it works for everyone. Like he said, but for him, if he's just there, he's comfortable, he's relaxed. That's all he cares about. And, uh, it's working, man. Five wins in, yeah. in less than a year. Wow. And I and I hear what he's saying with all that stuff, but you know, if you know him personally and you're playing darts or pool or anything, don't let him fool you in into thinking that he's not a competitor. Because no, he is and he sure. wants to win. And that's mm-hmm. and so that's not what we're saying. It's just a different way to get there. And Absolutely. to get his mindset in a spot because he does want to beat you. You know what I mean? All right. It looks like we have A B with us now, moving right along. We'll have Simon throw him in here and get started right away. Um, AB coming out hot this year. Yeah. Uh, we've got you know obviously a couple a couple great finishes off tour. He got first at Maricopa. He got second at Memorial. But then you look at what he's done so far on tour this season. He's got an eighth uh, an eighth finish at Las Vegas, a second at the Texas State championships and then a second in this past week at music city open very interested to have ab on the show for the first time and there he is ab how we feeling brother how you doing thanks for joining man heck yeah welcome to tour life uh just to start off right away obviously the season is going pretty strong so far how has the switch been moving to discraft this year um i started i got used to the disc probably in like december i started throwing them all and then i played one tournament the shelly sharp in january and got like eighth place just didn't really feel like i had them dialed in yet and it was really just a grip issue and so once i started gripping them by like the tooling in the bottom of the rim it like changed everything and like my grip just felt perfect then on hmm. all right 
I don't even know what that means. You're saying like you changed your grip completely from what no, you, there's, how you... There's lettering at the bottom of the yeah. disc that kind of like sticks out on the... on the mm-hmm. Which I completely avoid. If I, if my hands are I there, love it. Oh, I'm you're like, saying, <laughs> do you use it for forehand too? Because I love it on forehand, having both. that little... I use it for both. Oh. <laughs> I kind of wish they had like a... a a way of like etching or doing something across all the rim. Cause I think that would be an awesome way, even like on the bottom side of the rim too. If I like have a fan grip, that would be kind of something interesting. Cause you're saying you use it. I do the same thing with forehand. I love yeah. having that tooling on those, my index and middle finger. You guys um, are crazy. You hate it, Yuli? <laughs> oh, if it's like right there, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, gives me the heavy jeevies, man. Okay, so looking back at kind of just your career in disc golf, you've always been this like rising star. Everyone, even from your amateur days, I think everyone knew that you're going to be a player on tour. It feels like this season, though, you have been more consistently competitive than in years past. Do you think that's because you're able to focus more this season on disc golf? Like, are you putting more time and effort into disc golf this year than maybe in the past? Yeah, definitely. I feel like the skills have always been there. It's just been like just mental concentration. And then like financially this year has just been so much easier. So it's just like all my focus is just going straight into disc golf now. You're done with school, correct? You're, you're no longer doing school or? Almost. Almost. Okay. So, yeah, I'm still doing that. so even when you're done with that, that's even like an, an extra step of yeah. one thing less that you have to deal with. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And so I, I feel like Simon just kind of, we talked to Simon a little bit. He was kind of talking about the financial stability stuff being a huge bonus. Do you feel that as well now that you are a little bit more, I guess, secure in your finance, your, your financials and stuff that, that's helping your game, not having to worry about that side as much as you have in the past. Yeah, for sure. Like, of course that's stressful for anyone. And just like having that that relief can really change, like just like the mental focus on the course. Like you're not having to play for a meal or anything now. It's just like you're playing to perform. For sure. Um, We have seen too, obviously you've been on a lot of league cards. You've been in contention quite a bit. What do you feel like needs to change or happen for you to kind of get over the hump and take down a, a, a win at one um, of these big events? Cause obviously you've won plenty of stuff off tour yeah. winning on tour is a completely different animal, but you've been close. So mm-hmm. what, what do you think needs to change? It's just like dealing with those pressure situations, like on the green, it's just like, it looks easy on the camera. Like when I missed a 20 footer for like down the stretch, but it's like a lot, it's a lot different than it looks. And people just don't understand that. It's like a whole new level of just pressure and just like mental focus. So you're, th- you're saying like the putting maybe on the back nine of Sunday, the way yeah. you feel is way different than Friday. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Do you it's feel just like over that hump? Do you feel like once you do, like once you get that first big win, because obviously when you put yourself in contention as much as you have, it's only a matter of time before it happens. Do you feel like once that happens, is that going to be kind of almost like this, you know, this boulder being pushed down a hill of where like, watch out here I come? Because I don't think anyone's ever questioned your skill set to win, but it has been always, you know, finishing it out. 
So do you feel like once that happens, once you finally get that first taste of like, this is what it feels like that pressure of those putts down the stretch are, are you're kind of going to subside a little bit? Yeah. I feel like just once I get that victory, cause I'm, I'm so sick of losing these tournaments, like coming down the stretch, I've had a chance to win so many times in the past and it's just frustrating. Once I get that first one, I feel like I could just win every single weekend, honestly. Yeah. And just watching your game too, your style of play is also one that there isn't, it's not really course specific, right? Your, your game travels from course to course. And so essentially every single time you show up to a pro tour event, you are at the top of as far as the favorites go as someone that can win. Do you feel like there's any style of course that you enjoy more like, or you feel like you have a more of an advantage? Um, I feel like, I really like courses where I can power through the woods. Like Northwoods Black is my favorite course in the world. Like I feel like I can play there very well every single round. Just like those tight gap shots that you're throwing like 80% power is like my favorite shot to throw. Interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people would have said like more of a golf course, like, yeah. you know, give, give the air, but you're, you're like in the, the Northwoods Black. Okay. Champions mm-hmm. cup, obviously around the corner, Yeah. how, you know, a little bit similar in this in the play style as a Northwoods Black in the sense of like having some long wooded holes. How do you mm-hmm. feel about your chances going into that? Um, I haven't played the tournament or that course competitively since Worlds in like twenty. I don't remember when it was. 2018? I have no clue. But that's that's before yeah. my time. Yuli, Yuli, you might yeah. have a better idea. <laughs> pretty close. That's pretty close. Okay. I can't remember specifically <laughs> but, as well, but yes. I didn't get to get into the tournament last year. I was actually on the wait list, but this year I made sure. No, wait, what? You got wait listed last year? Yeah, I was the last person on the wait list to get in the tournament. And I went, I actually went there and I caddied for Josh Anton when he played with the Yuli, and it was one of the most fun I ever had watching (laughs) the card. (laughs) That was an awesome round. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I didn't get to play, but I'm very excited. I love that course. There's lots of just like powered fairway driver shots, sidearms. I'm super excited to play it. Um, okay. I feel like we have multiple people on tour that have these, you know, big personalities of where people are like, I know what that person's like. And you can see it when they're playing. And I feel like you might be one of the more mysterious people uh, personalities on tour you you keep you keep to yourself like on social media you know uh a little bit more like under the radar i guess you can say and when you're playing it just seems like you're i don't know if it's like just so focused or just kind of carefree but obviously when you talk we hear how much it ca- you care about winning and how much you hate mm-hmm. losing what like what is it do you feel like your personality changes when you get into that competitive aspect or do you think that's just kind of how you are 24 seven? I mean, I feel like everyone takes like the pressure and competition differently, but for me, it's just more like, I don't know. Like I feel like I shouldn't be happy unless I win the tournament. Like I just, I get so frustrated losing and it's just tough to show emotion, I guess on the course when you're not playing how you should be. 
That's a good question because it seems like as well, though, when you do like interviews after tournaments or something that you're pretty like laid back as far as your um, as far as you are. And, and like I, I've known you since you're eight. So I know you personally and you're one of the yeah. more charismatic people that I know when it's, you know, just the boys around like you're funny, you're you say whatever comes to your your mind, you're smart. And I, I feel like that that's missed a little bit. Is that is that something that you're just you want to come out off as like the super professional or is it just something you, you need to get used to um, moving forward? I mean, yeah, I guess I just need to get like more interviews under my belt, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not one of these guys who's getting interviewed every week. So they're like kind of rare for me, I guess. So well, you're I doing cut. good in this one. You're doing yeah, good. Yeah, you're in doing this great. One. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like, too, you could your path can be very similar to like a Calvin Heimberg, right? Cause a lot of people were saying the same thing about Calvin of where he doesn't show any emotion. He's just a robot. And then once he kind of started winning, we kind of got to see a little bit more of his personality. And now people can kind of be like, Oh, he's not just this person that's just out there and has no emotions. Do you feel like that's also something that could happen for you? Not only does your game now get a little bit more confident that you take down a win, but do you feel like you might have a little bit more confidence in letting your personality out a little bit too? Oh, we might've lost him potentially. Silas, did he, can you hear him? Uh, Yuli? I can't hear him. I can see him. I can see him, but I can't hear him. We'll see uh, if we can get him back here in a second. Yeah, let him let him figure that out. Yeah, he's, we'll let him he's cook. A, we'll let him cook on that question. That's a good question. Very good question. Um, we'll see if Salad can He's help an interesting him character, like you said, because he does. It does feel like he's very uh, stoic out there. Doesn't mm-hmm. say much. And when you're playing with him, he he is different. And just to add to that a little bit myself, you know, I always tell people I have like three personalities. You know what I mean? Like I have the um, interview podcast guy where where I'm free with my thoughts and I say what's on my mind. Yep. And then I have like goofy Paul on commentary and, and different things. But I'm also a businessman. And when I'm in those situations, I'm very serious. But when I get on the course, like I'm a lot different. You know, I'm more competitive. I, uh, I'm a bit more fiery. Like I, I think that just changes and um, inner interesting seeing these players develop like over time you know what i mean and and how how that goes uh what about you like have you found that you're a bit different and everybody's different in certain situations but this in particular it's funny how people go from one person to Mm -hmm. completely different on the course like you'll see you'll play with a guy and you're like that's like the happiest person ever you get him on the on the course in a tournament and it's like he's just a rage monster (laughs) you know you're like what the who is this that i'm playing with well i think the interesting thing with ab is not necessarily like who he is on the course but like what you mentioned was a good point when you brought up his interviews and stuff after the fact I think that is where um, we'll see if he can come in here again. I think I hear him now. AB, do we? No. Yeah, yeah, you're back. Okay, yeah. we gave you plenty of time to answer that. Plenty of time to answer that question. So, what are, you, what are your thoughts? I actually didn't even hear the question. It like completely cut out when he asked it. Oh, okay. It was yeah. the Calvin Heinberg question, I believe. Right, Yuli? Is that? Yeah. I, yeah, that's okay. what you asked. Yeah. So, so your your career path or your kind of. I guess you can say like how 
some people view you as a player and as a personality seems to kind of align with how people had viewed Calvin at, a, at one point of where this emotionless guy, he's a robot, he's just out there. And then once Calvin, I think, yeah. kind of started getting some wins and started placing well, he kind of let his emotions out a little bit more in coverage mm-hmm. and on skins matches and interviews. And, you know, Yuli brought up the fact of, you know, if you're just hanging out with you, you're very charismatic, funny, all those things. Do you feel like that also will help if you do get like a big W and stuff to feel a little bit more confident and letting, you know, letting the walls down, if you will? Because to me, that's what it feels like. To me, it feels like you have some walls up during interviews or whatever it may be. And I think you actually would gain a lot by, you know, being a little bit more vulnerable, I guess you can say, and like letting those walls down and being a little bit more showing that personality a little bit more. I think, I think a lot of people would have, would appreciate that. Even the fact that you're telling us like, no, I hate to win. Like you could say that during an interview, be like, no, this was a, this was awful this week (laughs) and I'm not happy with how I played. And you know, I'm out here to win and that's it. And that's fine because people, when people see that real, whoever that is. And when they're real, that's when they really fall in love with you and they stick with you forever because they're like, Oh, he's like me. You know, and there's not, not there's not some, something in front of you. And not saying that you're doing a bad job. That's not what we're saying in any way because everybody's different and all that stuff. But um, I'm just saying, like, let's let's see a little more AB. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Oh, me yeah. too. And maybe maybe you want to be that mysterious person, you know, because that works fine. sometimes with the ladies, right? Is like you don't give too much. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. They were like, who is this guy? And then they they kind of pursue you a little bit more. Like, is that? Is that the play here? Are you kind of you kind of not giving away as much as you're playing uh, hard to get. AB? Yeah, you playing hard to get. Yeah, Is that exactly. what's happening? I'm playing hard to win. I'm just trying to win these <laughs> things, honestly. But yeah, I feel like I put my walls down and more comfortable, like in YouTube videos and just stuff like that. But like when it's like a more professional setting, like interviews and stuff like that, and like on the course, like I definitely like tend to act a little different, like for the situation. I'd say. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, before we let you go, AB, it's our favorite uh, fan favorite segment whenever we have guests on. It's pet peeves. We want to know what your biggest pet peeves in disc golf are. What let, is, let, what's <laughs> something that just makes your, like, you know, the spine of your back just crawl? And here's, like, um, uh, Simon just gave one for an example because I feel like we need to give examples before we ask people because sometimes they just go into life things and we're like, <laughs> whoa, that was that was a little much. But like, Simon, too deep. You might need to see a therapist, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Simon just said he hates the uh, benefit of the doubt rule. And his pet peeve is when people are looking at something and they're like, ah, it might be in, it might be out. He's like, oh, yeah. no, it's in. If there's any doubt, then it's in. So that's his pet yeah. peeve that he just gave us. So what do you got like that? Mine is, you know, the classic when you put a putt up and somebody says nice putt and it's not even close and you're like, Dude, don't even <laughs> don't even look at me right now. I actually kind of hate you. I have two of them actually that I really get annoyed by. Perfect. So like. I call it like am eyes, like amateur eyes. When you throw a shot that's clearly like twenty feet short, it's like, oh, go it, go it, go it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> twenty feet, 20 feet short of the basket is an awful <laughs> shot. Or, like I remember at Memorial this year, I threw a shot like five fifty, just powered it straight out of bounds sideways, and I'm like so mad. And some guys like, well, at least you can throw that far. 
that, oh, that really gets under my skin. <laughs> that's that's one yeah. that's similar to me, AB, of where you have a bad <laughs> round and someone's like, how'd you shoot out there? And you're like, I didn't play that well. And they're like, you played better than I would have done. And it's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Exactly. He was like, well, yeah, okay. Dang, AMIs. We might, I, we That's need to have an AMIs emoji. I need it. I need an AMIs emoji. <laughs> For our TLC members, because that is that's incredible. <laughs> that's the best one I've heard so far. Yeah, of that's where they're just getting so excited, and you're just like, "That's like so short." Oh, <laughs> so close! Short. Oh, it's right there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, dang! All right, well, AB, we appreciate hey, you, one, brother. One, one more question. Oh, yeah, my, go my ahead. Question. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, you. I like to ask these guys. I've been asking all of our guests this: Do you have somebody on tour who has a game? that you're like envious of and you're like, or it could just be a compliment. Like who on tour do you look at and you watch them play and you're like, man, he's kind of nice with it. You know, like who is that guy? Could be anybody. Could be an old timer. Could be now, whoever it is. Uh, Climo said he liked the way Barry Schultz played and Ron Russell. So. Yeah. Um, I would say probably Gannon's putt, honestly. Yeah, like it's the best putt in the world right now. Everyone wants it. Yeah, I'll take it. But no yeah, one knows definitely. how to do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was out in the backyard practicing uh, oh, yesterday, and I I put it. <laughs> I tried different grips. I put it in the same spot. Thing came Here's out thing. wobbly. I almost hit my house. It was bad. The thing <laughs> with his putt is like one out of ten, you do it, and you're just like. Oh my god, this is the greatest putt ever. And then like the other yeah. nine are the, the worst putts you've ever had. Yeah. So it's like terrifying to actually try it in tournaments. But all right. Am I's A B. That was an all-timer <laughs> right there. That I'm not gonna forget it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go sleep thinking about am I's and just thinking, I gotta come up with this emoji. I'm just thinking big a- eyes with am on top. Uh but A B, we appreciate it, man. We'll see you down in Augusta for Champions Cup. Uh, wish you the best of luck yep. there, and uh, you're always welcome to come on here. Me and Yuli will butter you up, man. We'll slowly yeah, kind of, yeah. just like a pig, it. we'll slowly start roasting <laughs> you around and just get you nice and buttery uh, and get that personality <laughs> going out a little bit more. So yes, we sir. appreciate you time, dude. Thanks so much, and uh, good luck at Champions Cup and uh, yeah, next week. Thanks for having me. All I'll right, AB, take it easy. All right, there's the man right there. One of the f- farthest throwers in disc golf. Oh yeah, I, I just I think said he, that because he, he I, gets, I'm, I'm working on farthest versus furthest. That's I heard it. I heard it in it. I heard it in the, in it the sentence. You nailed it. But yeah, when he throws it, I mean, it's fast. The, like the some tw- people are powerful. You can hear it. and It's like a whoa. When he throws it, it's just fast, man. How many people are going to go and get their discraft disc now and put their fingers on the tooling moving forward? They're gonna be like, oh, he's gonna give me like five five <laughs> miles per hour more speed. A B does it. This, this is the trick. This is what I need to do. Oh man, that was great. That was awesome. All right, yep. um, we are. I think our next guest is ready to go, Silas. If, if I think we're good to go, uh, this is someone that I, I Kelsey. Literally, I told Kelsey. I was. I always ask her. You know, she always asks like, who's on the sh- who's coming on the show, whatever, whatever. And I was going through the list, and when I said. Uh, you can see now, size with us right now. When I said size name, she's like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "This is you have size. You have literally my favorite name on tour. It is. I probably said it after you won Texas States. I probably said it like fifteen or twenty times. And Kelsey was just like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "She's got the greatest name. I freaking love saying your name." 
So uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Tour Life. Um, and uh, congratulations on taking down Texas State a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, you guys. Um, Paul and Brody, I'm, I'm huge fans, um, and I've been, I've been watching both of you guys play since, you know, I've grown up in disc golf, so I'm, it's an honor to be here. Oh, well, heck yeah. Um, we'll pull up real quick kind of what you've done this season so far. Uh, so you've, you, you, got a, uh, you got 26 at Vegas, 25th at Waco, then you got a top 10 at Austin, and then you took down the Texas State Championships um, in Houston there. So pretty good start to the season. My first question is, I remember in the years past, I've, I've seen your name like jump up leaderboards, right? You know how like the, the pro tour, when they go to commercial breaks and, or the disc golf network, when they go to commercial breaks and stuff, they'll like flash up the leaderboards. And I've seen your name yeah, pop up. A, yeah, right there. And I've seen your name pop up a little bit. And I can't remember what it was. Was it US Women's or something that you maybe had a good tournament where you, you actually got on coverage a little bit they showed some foot, 66 was that... I've, I've been on coverage a handful of times i think it was like vegas but it was u.s women's 66 holes without a bogey oh wow goodness that was a pretty wow. fun time that's <laughs> a I think miracle that was, that, i think that was the first time i got i saw you on coverage was maybe that tournament and i was like i watched your i watched you throw or putt or something i was like what the heck i was like holy smokes who is this person um, yeah. so the first question I have to ask is how did you handle the nerves? Because going into Texas States, the final round, was that the first, I mean, that had to have been the most nervous you felt going into a final round of a tournament, right? I mean, I want to say yes and no. It's kind of funny how, how we kind of experience nerves as we kind of progress as, you know, athletes a little bit. So I would almost say that that was one of the least nervous times I have ever, or, you know, one of the least nervous I had been kind of going into to a final round or into to a second round. And I think that I've just like, I've been competing since I was like, since 2012, 2013. So since I was like 15 or 16, since I was younger and I mean, I hate to like boast, but I have found myself in a winning position, not a lot, but I mean, you can look at my win rate on the PDGA. It's more than 50%. Mm -hmm. So as a junior, I've kind of been in a winning position and that's always a great place. I think to work out some of those, like, I guess, iron out kinks in your mentality and kind of how you're, you're approaching that competitive mindset. And then I had a lot of success as an amateur as well. So playing in advanced women, I competed a lot and had a lot of successes there. And, and I had a lot of challenge there, which I was really looking forward to kind of like jumping from junior kind of like, Oh, we'll see how she, you know, if she goes through with this and she could be a kid and has some successes. So jumping into advanced was huge. And I think that really got me a lot of experience you know, not only being in that position where you're gunning for first place, where you like see where you want to be and you're like throttling it and you're like gunning for it. But then I guess also being in that position where you are in first place and you've got these competitors below you that want to be exactly where you're at and they're, they're, they're gunning for you as well. So honestly, I think my, my whole career kind of, and even my early pro career, I've spent a lot of time, a lot of mental work kind of 
carefully curating my mentality and, and how I want to approach being in highly competitive situations. And for some reason, like, like I've had my, my bad years, you know, where like, I mean, I don't know if MPO deals with it quite as much as FPO does, but like, I've had those tournaments where I've cried after every single round, like mm. four, four rounds in a tournament. I've cried. I just or, cried this last oh, weekend. So I'm with you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're all human and, and we all feel those feelings. And I think in like 2019 and 2020 and 2021, those were, I think, I don't know, years that challenged me the most mentally that like you see the score and you're one stroke from cashing at the final round of LVC. And then you take two double bogeys to take yourself out of cash. Like you, where you just have those mental moments where you just do not handle yourself. Well, you take the information that you know, you need to have, you know what you need to do. And then all of a sudden just, so like those, those three years, I think I, I learned kind of, in a silly way, I learned who I didn't want to be on the course. And it wasn't mm. that person that was angry and no one wanted to be around because they were kind of like giving angry outbursts. Or I also didn't want to be that person that just like completely shuts down after a round and no one can talk to because, because I had been there in that position and it doesn't feel good. So I feel like I've, I've worked and I'm continue to work on that, you know, that really open, fluid kind of competitive mentality. And because honestly, I felt the nerves, you know, and it's, it's, it's what you do when you feel those nerves. I guarantee Paul McBeth still feels nervous on the, the final putt or the, you know, first drive around, but he's so experienced and he's been through it, you know, even, even as a younger player, like he's been through it so many times, he's made the mistakes and, I'm sure he has regrets. You know, we all do as disc golfers. When you walk off the course, that's it. You don't get to redo that round. So we all have those regrets. And I think those, in 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 one small kind of way, those regrets can help kind of shape who we want to be in the future. In like, you know, as, as a disc golfer and as a player out on the course, super huge how you handle yourself. So I guess, in you know, to in, in a long answer, that was probably, even though the nerves were there, that was the least nervous I think I had felt. And I think, you know, and, and I want to say that I haven't really felt as nervous as I had in the past all season. Mm. And I don't really know if that's like the extra support the West side has provided me and kind of the, the change and finally being able to go on tour because every, you know, like you'd said, everybody sees me up on the leaderboard every now and again, and, or like a highlight or, you know, a thousand rated round or something like that. But it's really been a lot of work just to make it to this point where I can finally go on tour. So I think it's a combination of not only the work and the regrets that I have and the work that I put into it, but then also just kind of like finally being in a position that I wanted to be in a little bit to, to give you like a little bit of a long answer there. Yeah, and honestly, not to take away from any of the victories and stuff you've had in the past, but let's be clear, what you what you did at those victories, that's way different than going up against the number one FPO player in the world, right? I totally like, agree with you. Like those two things are way different. And the fact that you're able to come in and, and be able to handle those nerves, I mean, that's incredible because yeah. I think to a lot of people, even if you win a lot in the, uh, the junior level, the amateur level, going on tour and battling against the number one player in the world. I mean, that's got, 
let's just say like I think a lot of people were ex- assuming uh, or expecting rather you to kind of crumble under the pressure that final round and Kristen was going to end up winning that. And I think, yeah. I think you shut up a lot of people. And so I just want to say that was very impressive. Very impressive. Well, well, thank yeah. you. I think you're right on, um, on multiple levels there, you know, not that any of my other wins weren't impactful and, and pivotal in the time, you know, when mm-hmm. I won them, like obviously an amateur world title is, a pretty pivotal moment for, for a young person. And that's like a super cool accomplishment. But I, I also would absolutely have to agree that you are correct. And that was probably the biggest win of my career so far, for not sure. only the yeah. the level of the event, you know, I think one of the biggest win I had before was an A tier and that was an A tier as well. But I feel like the silver series kind of, you know, gilds it a little bit makes it fancier. <laughs> Which is it's always the strength of the strength of the field, like who yes, you beat. Exactly, and that's that's kind of where I was getting to as well. Is there there's been I I've honestly had few opportunities to even compete with such high level players, and I think like I don't know one one thing that I think is different about my game this season, or maybe you know in that tournament specifically is. To, to bring it back, you know, I will always have some sort of highlight or like some sort of thousand rated round or something to kind of put me on that leaderboard. Mm-hmm. But there's something that has always kind of kept me from maintaining that position. And I think back, you know, I think I had kind of always kind of chalked it up to maybe lack of experience, you know, lack of experience being, you know, in a six. I did a successful thing and now I'm doing good and I'm playing with other good players. So I kind of chalked it up to some experience on, on that level a little bit of just kind of like I have a thousand rated round nine forty, And then there'd always be some sort of like eight twenty or, or like, or eight ten or nine ten or like nine twenty. always some sort of like mystery poo poo round that would kind of take me out of the contention. And I think I'm, I'm doing a better job of kind of, managing myself and not giving and not having that as such a, you know, good possibility. Cause I mean, the competition is stellar. It, it takes three pretty good rounds to win or even put yourself in contention in the division. So I think mm-hmm. that was like a huge factor or at least one of the things that I, I noticed whether it's correlation or causation, I, I can't quite tell, but one of the things I noticed was that, that consistency throughout all three rounds a little bit that was kind of contributing to that success. And I think a lot of that has to do with your putting, like watching you put that, that tournament was incredible. Is that something that you feel has always been a strength in your game is your putting? Um, it's honestly kind of been an arc. So like when I first started, like very first started playing as like an amateur and a junior, I could always putt really far. So like from a standing position, I could always putt really far, but I would go like 30 feet away to 30 feet away. And I would kind of always, you know, you know, flop around the basket. So putting used to be one of the weaker parts of my game and driving was the stronger part of like, I can't putt. So I kind of got to get it within like 15 or 20 if I really want the birdie. So it Mm. always put a lot of pressure on my driving skills. And I think that's, part of what allowed my driving to kind of develop a little bit better. So it was this arc of like not really being able to putt and then really trying to like put some work into it and like maybe not change my putt, but find 
my putt that's most mechanically consistent, you know, see what I can, you know, remove and what I can keep because I'm not going to change my form entirely. So there were, there was like three or four years where I was just putting work at the basket. I was just, you know, taking videos and I was just putting in repetitions and I was just trying so hard to, and I guess you, you probably noticed as well, I've got a pretty, like, it's a pretty chronic spin putt, like Mm-hmm. elbow fulcrum wrist fulcrum and even finger fulcrums and even a little bit of like the shoulder like i'm using every single joint in my arm and that's it's a it always it has its achilles because everybody's like oh i wish i had your killer spin putt you hit the chain so hard and like you always make such awesome putts but then like when i miss though <laughs> it's like 25 feet out and i really don't like those comebackers so it was this arc of like I can putt far and I have a decent putting technique, but I can't make them. So like I'm working and working and working. And I think the last two years or so, and it's kind of corny because I think Calvin posted a video somewhere on like Instagram where he like practices the little flick where he'll just stand there and he'll just like toss a putter up and down. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of incorporated a little bit of that, I almost want to say it's like a push putt because push putters usually keep it pretty straight. And then yeah, I think he like, calls it uh, putting the pizza in the oven. Yeah. Putting the pizza on the oven. So I yeah. practice just that just kind of like in my house, just like walking around practicing that and kind of incorporated that into my kind of multifulcrum spin putt. That way I could kind of reduce the the left and right that a spin putt can kind of give you. That's kind of the killer with the spin putt is you, mm-hmm. when you make putts, when you're on, they're freaking on, but when they're off, they're either left or, or right. So somehow incorporating that little bit of spin enabled me to kind of reduce the movement in my lower body as well, which I think was huge because I was like coming all, I was rocking back on. So I was like, knee was bent, hip was moving, shoulder, elbow, like, I was literally point putting with every joint that I could. So being able to like use that spin and then reduce the movements in my lower body, something just kind of like, I want to say like two years to a year and a half ago, just kind of like clicked a little bit. And that's when I was putting really hot at us women's where somehow I think I kind of like found my putt or at least, you know, found my putt for, for right now a little bit, but I mean, and then to kind of conclude a little bit. So it was a bit of an arc, not being able to putt, working on it, and then finally finding something that clicks. And now that I could be considered like a good putter to a certain degree, I still lose my local putting leagues, like (laughs) embarrassingly, it's hilarious. But so I, now I can putt well, but I don't think I've ever put it together quite as well as I did at, at us women's. I don't think I've ever had, three straight hot putting rounds where circle two putts you just don't miss like Mm. so i mean yeah i I think that's definitely something in my wheelhouse but not something i would bet on doing you know just trying to be more consistent yeah just trying to get more consistent moving forward with yes the closer i can get to that but that i don't know man I, i i may look back on that tournament and you know later on in my life and think wow I don't think I ever putted that good again. <laughs> Definitely preparing myself for, for that kind of, you know, situation. You know, what's in, but interesting. It's, uh, it's honestly a... funny how many people like would see me. Cause there, there were a handful of putts that I did miss out there mm. and it was so funny 
going back and watching the coverage, you're kind of right. I would miss that putt, and everybody was like, oh, is this it? Is, is this, this the, the moment where she just just loses it and crumbles? It, I think it happened, like, I want to say at least twice, where everyone was like, oh, no. Is this where it's like it's bleeding in? The pressure, the reality of the situation is seeping in, and I was, I was, I don't know. I can and I can't believe that I kind of did that, you know, to, to, to a certain degree. I, of course I believe in myself and I mean, I wouldn't be playing women's disc golf if I didn't think or pro disc golf if I didn't think I was good, but I, uh, I surprised myself a little bit on that victory. It sounds like, you know, the coolest thing about listening to this whole story, honestly, is how self-aware you are from the beginning of like your am days and then learning from all of that stuff all the way until now. Like you're so in tune with what's going on, with what's not going right, but like using that as a learning experience, I think that's a such a teachable moment for anybody out there trying to get better at disc golf is it, it sounds like you've been building to this moment for a long time and you never let the moment be too big. And like you're, you know, like when you're saying, oh yeah, I want am worlds, but it's not as big as this, like, and then you're saying, but they're all good. And they all got me to this point. I think some people like to push ahead, you know, and think about, okay, I'm going to be this. And then the pressure mounts. And it sounds like you've been able to manage that like incredibly well. So hats off to you for being able to do that, because that is something that not a lot of people do. And the only people who can do it and end up managing it the way that you have turn out to be really great, great players. So it sounds like to me that your future is so bright. And if you keep on on that track, I mean, we're going to there's going to be plenty of those U.S. championships. That we're yeah, we're not going to be seeing you just at the bottom yeah. of the leaderboards anymore. We'll be seeing you on coverage multiple times. So, well, that's a that's a very genuine compliment. And I, I really do appreciate that because I it really has been. I mean, since 2016, when I was driving home from Am Worlds, like this, like this, like the trophy, the win, the the interviews, and the all of it has kind of what like I, I've been envisioning, and like like yeah. I'm I'm a huge um, advocate of like visualization and stuff like that in in any way that you can, and like I have been like mentally kind of putting myself in that place. And, and it's hard to say exactly if that kind of like mental practice has helped me in that scenario. There, there are endless studies on the, the benefits of visualization in regards to athletics and performance and stuff like that. But I mean, honestly, I've, I've had dreams of like, um, seeing my name, like on the big leaderboard at worlds. And I've like, I've had dreams of like, being in these high level, like high pressure situations. And they haven't always been good dreams. Sometimes they've been those weird nightmare dreams where you're holding a disc and then it turns into a box and then <laughs> it goes backwards. And then like, like, I don't know if anybody's had those weird disc golf nightmares where it just like, I've never, I've never had the box wrong. dream. I've never had the box. Usually dream. that's <laughs> real life for me. I, like, the disc feels like a box in my hand. <laughs> no, just what is this box doing? But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so not only good or, or, or bad, but I feel like I've just been like, I have, I have wanted to, to be in this position so bad, but so many like circumstances in my personal life just never, 
until this point really allowed me to kind of like, okay, you don't, you cannot think about a career and a job and making money because disc golf now. And like people think that that's a small leap and it kind of is, but it's like a a small leap over an acid vat of piranhas. Like it's, it's, it's a little hop, but if you make like the tiniest little slip, like, you're, you're, you're back to square one again. You know, yeah. you're, you're taking a really huge bet on yourself and thinking like, I think I'm ready to go pro, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think I'm ready to put myself out there and do it. So it's just been like, it's honestly like the, the weeks after that win have kind of been like weirdly surreal because like everywhere I look is obvious evidence that I did that, <laughs> yeah. but there's still a part of me that's like, did I really just do that though? <laughs> but did I though? Did I like that seems kind of improbable. I mean, it's kind of own Scoggins. Did you really, did you really, did you really? But yeah, it's, so it's been like super surreal and, and I, I really do appreciate the compliment. I think that, um, I think the visualization is really huge. I've been into, um, do you guys know about like, um, free solo rock climbing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That stuff's, nuts like yeah, i don't the, do that i would ne- I'm, I'm too Discs old now. on the ground <laughs> thank you but the part of it that i find really really incredible is their mental process and their like their focus and their diligence and like even though like they're free soloing and they're only climbing this particular route once in their mind, they've probably climbed it a thousand times. They know yes. every rook. They know every nook and cranny and bend. And they know every position that they need to be in. And they have, like, put themselves in the gym and put themselves on a rock wall and simulated these little runs and stuff like that. And so, like, I've really, really been into the, like, mental dedication and visualization that these rock climbers put into their work. And it's, I think it's truly inspiring. Like what, what they're doing, like I would never put myself on their wall, but I think to just like to spend a day in a rock climber's head, like would be, would be insane. It would be so, so absolutely crazy. Well, some of those people, yeah, they're, when they do it they're they've completely decided that they're cool with dying, right? Like they, they have come to terms with what they're about to do could end in the result of them dying if they make the wrong mistake and, and some yeah. of them do die well oh, yeah, yeah no a lot I of mean, them do yeah the end just... of almost every famous free solo climber there's a documentary on netflix about a guy named Marc andre leclerc and mm-hmm. he was an he was a very interesting soul and a very intriguing mind and the fact that he found rock climbing as his outlet was incredible so i would definitely recommend that as a watch but like one of the things that they mention in their visualizations is not even in like a morbid kind of like fatalistic way, but they very much so think about the possibility that they could die. So when they're, when they're visualizing and they're out and they're like yeah. practicing this lines, they know if I miss my handhold here, I'm going to slip. I'm going to swing over here. I'm going to collapse onto this ledge, tumble, boom, onto this ledge. And then that's it. That's the end of me. So like, a hundredfold not only are they like thinking about the possibility that they might die they're like actively considering that as a possibility hundreds of times during 
any given climb and like uh, maybe that's what can, i need to start doing is just seeing no. every time i step on the disc golf course i might die and maybe no, that'll so actually like, get me to start playing better yeah not literally <laughs> but like no literally is, no, no literally your, your brain I mean, is inside your skull like it doesn't know if you're actually gonna die it's just kind of getting feedback from you know what's what's going on yeah, exactly. die. maybe yeah, i'll scare so myself like, into playing better if he can free solo the freaking Don Wall, I can maybe I can make like a forty footer. <laughs> you know, like yeah. maybe with my brain I can harness like some tiny fraction of what they've channeled in rock climbing to maybe just like make a cool putt. I think you have. I think you did. Yeah. I think you did do a, a fraction of that. And then um I would say when you're saying like there's studies and all this stuff. Who cares about the studies living proof that it works because you're you're giving it credit right now. So keep doing that. And I would say, yeah, definitely don't change that in any way. I Yeah, I definitely continue to pursue that kind of, I don't know, there's that level of sports analysis, especially when it comes to the mind is, I mean, I definitely don't think we've reached the peak of what humans can do in disc golf physically, you know, but I feel like the surface has barely been scratched and, and, and barely applied to the sport of disc golf. And it's kind of crazy because it's such a cognitive sport. You know, there's, there's so much going on between the ears as, as they say, not only, you know, physically, but I mean, as pros, we're all growing a little bit. I mean, I'm sure you're still practicing, you're still working on refinements and that weird thing with your shoulder or, you know, whatever. But I think that like where the growth can be exponential is with that like visualization and, and with that mental practice, because at a certain level, you don't really reach a peak physically, but you kind of like the corrections are smaller, you know, the, the feats and distance when I was an amateur, I would be like, Oh, all of a sudden I can throw 50 feet further. And mm. that I wish, but that doesn't happen. You know, the, the better that right. you get, the increments get smaller and smaller. And I think a huge edge to improving those increments is just that like that mental engagement every every step of the way even when i'm you know playing a practice round at home and i have a 40 footer not 100 percent, but i try to think like what if this was for the win or what if this was in a playoff and i kind mm. of like try to imagine what what would i be feeling what would my nerves be like what would i what would my self-talk be like and just kind of like even in just your casual yeah, rounds, there. you can you you can be doing that mental work. And I think the amount of time spent doing mental work and the amount of time spent doing physical work, the gains during mental mental work are exponentially greater than the gains doing physical work. And then when you pair them together, that's where I think people are going to find the most personal gain essentially. And I, and, and that's something I really try to like, um, kind of curate or kind of create when I'm like doing coaching sessions and stuff like that, you know, like I don't necessarily want to teach someone a skill. I want to teach someone to like teach themselves. I want to teach them to learn. Right. Right. So not only am I going to give them a few tips on their form, but I want to teach them how to visualize and I want to teach them how to take videos on their phone and do a little bit of comparison and analysis and stuff like that. I think that's like that's such great. a huge yeah. place where, yeah, where people can really like 
even if they weren't competitive, being good is fun. Like, you know, so even, even if you aren't super duper competitive, that is like, I, I think I would definitely attribute that, that mental work because I'm definitely not that person that like works out every day and like does 200 putts every day. And like, I'm not the consistency person <laughs> like at all. <laughs> Yeah, do what works for you. And clearly what you've been doing has worked. Um, before we let you go, our favorite favorite thing to ask our guests is their biggest pet peeves. So do you have any big pet peeves in disc golf? I, for one, I'll give you an example. A pet peeve of mine is, you know, maybe I finish a round and I don't play that well. And someone comes in, you know, they ask me like, hey, how'd you play? And I'm like, I didn't play good. And they go, well, you, you did better than I would have done. And right, it's like, yeah. well, I, I, would, <laughs> I, I would hope so. I, I mean, that is my job. Um, my rating would suggest that, but okay. <laughs> do, do you have any pet peeves in disc golf? Does anything jump Wait, out be, at you? Before as like, that, like, we have to tell her... AB was just on and he gave like oh, the, best had pet the best pet peeve. Pet peeve. Yeah, no pressure. No he's pressure. like, well, I, I named it Am Eyes. And that's when you throw a shot and everybody's like, oh, get in, get in, get in. And it's not even close. It's like 40 <laughs> feet short. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I guess. Huh. I mean, I guess it's kind of like this, like, it's the stupidest thing. And I, I love it slash hate it when it happens is when you like when you release a shot and every like fiber of your being is like that was awful like that was really bad that felt like gross to even throw and i'm just like like i'm appalled that i even threw that and then you look and you follow your line and somehow it like magically lands right underneath the basket in like <laughs> perfect lie. I, it's the worst feedback to throw an awful throw and get a good a great result, result. That, like, yeah. that breaks everything that I know to be real. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to how golf. Brody like, plays disc golf side. That is how Brody <laughs> plays disc golf. Well, and it happens, it happens to me all too often. I have a friend that says like, I'm the luckiest disc golfer. And I think it's because she thinks she's the unluckiest disc golfer, but like I very often, I don't know if it's more than other people, but I very often will like shank a shot and it will go incredibly well. I'm, <laughs> I'm a witch. I don't, what can I say? <laughs> All right. Well, I, I need to, I need to do some of that myself. Uh, we're not seeing you until May. So, um, I think a lot of people are going to be very, very excited for your return yeah. on tour, which will be at the OTB Open in California on May 12th. Yep. Uh, congratulations again on your Texas State's victory. And also, thanks for just like literally cluing me in on a lot of stuff that I did not even think about in disc golf with the visualization and all that stuff. I think that's all really good stuff to, and I think I'm even going to probably go back and listen to some of the stuff you said, uh, yeah. just try to absorb as much as possible. But I mean, absolute- shame, shameless kind of plug, no affiliation whatsoever, but the Huberman lab podcast, I don't know if you've heard of it. No, Inc- incredibly interesting, incredibly informative. Like, 110% would recommend the Huberman Lab podcast. Super I'm always, informative. I'm always looking for more podcasts to listen to that. Yeah, sure. it's it's a really good one. All right. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, Yuli, do you have anything left? 
No, my my question I've been asking everybody is uh is it who on tour do you look at FPO or MPO and you look at their game and you're like that's nice. Like I like the way that person <laughs> that's plays this nice. golf. Yeah, like um, you, you know what I mean? I just like no, to no, totally. get the players in in here to uh give a little hmm, who am I looking at? Compliment I mean, to the field. I don't know. For some reason, like whenever I look at cat merch, mm. like I don't know, man. Like I'll like on, on, on Smug Mug or whatever, I'll just be like looking for my pictures. And whenever I see cat merch, man, like <laughs> she's just looking so graceful and like looking so into her game and like yeah i don't know i feel like i look at her and she's just vibing and like throwing excellent Love shots that. and like peering 400 foot drives and i'm like wow you're just cruising aren't that's you that's nice you're just, you're just cruising i like that <laughs> we need a that's nice emoji gosh i gotta, I gotta <laughs> get all these emojis now with that, all this stuff yeah, um, something with like an eyebrow raised, like, ooh, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> we got that's nice, and we got am eyes. Love it. Very, very <laughs> am eyes. I'm gonna um, steal. I'm gonna steal that one for sure. Because like that is he described that. Like, yeah, that happens. Perfect. That perfect. Happens so much. Um, all right, Sai. Well, we'll let you go. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to maybe having you back on the podcast at another time later this season. We really appreciate yeah. you taking the time out of your Start day. Start visualizing come on. it now because we yes. are. You're coming back on. I'm going to visualize so many freaking good questions to ask you. Just <laughs> wait. And bad questions. You have to visualize the fact that you may miss yeah. a handful. And I'm going to ask you a question, and all of a sudden I'm going to be like, why do I have a box in my hand? Why is there a box in my hand? <laughs> Um, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> well, try to ask um, the question i don't need a box <laughs> um all right si we'll let you go thanks so much have a wonderful night thank you so much all right si there ananda literally one of my favorite names in disc golf right now absolutely love it <laughs> um and wow what an interview there yuli what do yeah. you think about that first time on tour life i think she crushed it Absolutely. I mean, one of our better interviews so far, without a doubt. I mean, she took us through the beginning of her, <laughs> the beginning of her, uh, the interview all the way, or the beginning of her career all the way through till till now. Didn't miss miss a beat, and and really let us like, really let us like in deep on how it exactly happened. Um, yeah, I was. I thought that, I was, that was so interesting. I was just kind of sitting back and taking it all in. That's yeah. what I was doing. I was just sitting back, cheesing, just taking it all in. Um, also, all right, yeah, moving forward, my camera turns off every 30 minutes. It's on a timer. It turns off. I have to turn it back on. That's why I've been going in and out. So when that happens, I'm, just give I'm me just, a second. I'm just going to throw it out there. Sounds like the worst camera you have for a podcast that we're on. Just going to throw I that out there. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> just, I, just it, throw it out there. Today, I took two hours to set it up, and I even had um, – my buddy who does all kinds of podcasts and everything, he's like, dude, I don't know how to fix this. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And so I'll, I'll figure it out. We'll get all there right. eventually. All right, let's bring in the man. He, he's been waiting in the, in the, in the wings. And honestly, it's kind of almost similar to kind of, I feel how his career has been. And he's been waiting to come out on tour and just show everyone how freaking good he is. I will say I was the first person. I feel like I was the first person when we talked about, how the depth of the tour, I was like, you watch out, folks. There are very freaking good players that aren't on tour right now. And just wait until they start touring. You're going to start seeing the depth of the field 
James Proctor, ladies and gentlemen, you were my number one example of that player. I saw your game a few years ago in Las Vegas, and I was like, this guy can compete on tour right now. He just isn't on tour. Uh, so first question is, what's changed? What? Why Why are we seeing you now more uh, at more events? Um. Well, you know, one was kind of the money that's in disc golf now and the fans and, and the ability to make a living. And I was at a point in my career where I established myself as a special ed teacher. And I, you know, I really love my job. That's honestly what took me so long is I didn't want to leave my job. And I got to kind of do the best of both worlds. I got to teach and do what I love and then also play disc golf like in the summer breaks and stuff. So I wasn't super motivated to make that jump um, because, I, you know, in my eyes, I had everything I wanted. Uh, but, you know, it just, you know, talking with my fiance, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I've been saying, what if my whole life? And I, you know, I'm, I want to start a family soon. I want to do other stuff. So it's kind of, you know, I have this window that I want to take advantage of now. So I don't have to say, what if I don't have to leave any regrets out there of, you know, not making that jump. So that's kind of what the motivation was. But um, yeah, things kind of just fell into place for me to, to where I could, uh, I could go back to my career at any point if I wanted to, but, um, I just, yeah, I wanted to give it a shot. So looking at your season so far, we've got a 14th place finish at Las Vegas. We got a 10th place finish at Waco, a third at the open at Austin, a fourth at Texas States and a sixth at music city open that just went down. When we're talking about consistency, I mean, you're you've put your you're, you put yourself in a position multiple times now to not just compete for you know top tens but actually compete for wins is this is this something that you expect expected of yourself coming on tour for the first time and playing these back-to-back back events mm, I, I couldn't say that i expected it especially you know my goal is always top 10 um I knew I had the skill set. I knew I had the capabilities of throwing the good shots. I think what's helped me back in the past is my inconsistency and, and throwing, you know, I'm used to getting 10, 11 birdies around, but I would always compile that with four or five bogeys. Mm. And so I think, you know, being able to focus on my game this off season and just the consistency of playing almost every day, I'm still getting the same amount of birdies. I've just limited the bogeys and that's, what's helped me kind of stay, stay near the top. But definitely, I, I couldn't say that I expected to, to play this well at the beginning of the season. Because I think a lot of times when you see people come on tour for the first time, you see them kind of have, you know, maybe a breakout tournament here and there, but they, they don't have that consist, consistency tournament in and tournament out. And, you know, you're kind of proving right now to be one of the, I would say, one of the top 10 players in the world. You know, if we're looking just at, you know, this season, it's hard to argue that you're not in that list and coming just straight from, you know, not touring full time to now being on tour. You know, I think that's caught a lot of people's attention of, holy cow, who the heck is this James Proctor guy? Um, well, I, one thing for sure is, you know, I've known James a long time. You, California guy. You, you know everyone for a long he's time. Been, is there, is there playing, a single but, person but, you haven't known for a long time? I'm like somebody who's been able to watch these kids grow up. 
You know what I mean? I've been around for so long. So when I say that, I have been able to see what he's doing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you would sprinkle in a few tournaments here and there, you were still a top 10 monster, top 15. Like it wasn't, he was never coming in and being like showing up to a big tournament and just missing cash or being in last place. I'm sure that happened a couple times. But from my recollection, anytime that he came out from and played, he was always playing well, like Mm -hmm. really well. So this is, no surprise to me and if you look at his track record like the guy has so many wins in california he knows how to compete he knows how to win he knows how to do all those things and and he just had that kind of double life thing that a lot of people a lot of people do have my question is because of that experience that you've had because i know you've been a top 10 guy forever What's gonna what what is missing for you to get that win, or is it just a matter of time? Like we were talking with AB, AB is so talented, and everybody here on this screen right now can admit, like, you just went out. So whatever you're about to say, be careful. Your camera just went out. That's can, can you hear me though? We, we, we can, can but that's perfect right. timing because if you're about to give everyone a compliment on who's on the screen, you're not on the screen anymore. <laughs> well, I was. I was. <laughs> okay. But when we talk about him, we all know like it is just a matter of time before AB wins a tournament. Mm -hmm. So what about James Proctor? You know, I think I've been asking myself that same question. Um, You know, a couple years ago, you know, three or four strokes was the difference between 30th and 20th. And it's not that big of a deal. But now, you know, in Austin and last weekend, I think I lost by three strokes both tournaments. And so I'm kicking myself, like, what can I do? You know, and you go back and look at all the mistakes you made and all the easy fixes. But I've been asking myself that same question. And I've, it's funny, I've been thinking about, like, texting Macbeth or having a conversation with Paul. Like, what what am I missing or what, what can I try or what, you know, I, I don't know if it's a mental thing, if it's a, a skill set, like gaps in my game, but, you know. I'm searching for whatever that thing is that's preventing me or that I haven't found yet that will bring me to that next level. And And it might just be opportunity. Sorry to interrupt you, but we were just talking to AB and I feel like, I think it's, it's obvious what he's missing. It's making putts down the stretch under Mm -hmm. pressure. I mean, it's an obvious, it's an obvious thing that once he fixes that, the guy's going to win tournaments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can see that on camera, but when I watch you put and I watch you play, I'm not seeing that. You know what I mean? I'm not seeing an obvious answer of like, okay, like his putt's not going to hold up under pressure. Like your putt is so good. It looks to me like something that like, if you give James Proctor a 30 footer for the win, like good luck to the rest of the field. You know what I mean? When Mm -hmm. I, if I'm playing against a B and he has that putt right now, I'm thinking, okay, I might be able to go to another hole and I'm, and so that's interesting that you're like, I'm trying to find that same thing. To me, just like AB, it's a matter of time. But I love your game, and I love where it's headed. I appreciate that. I think, you know, looking at the last couple of tournaments, I've had like a really slow nine-hole stretch. And, you know, I've had two great rounds and then one mediocre round where, you know, I had great things, but I was just I, – I was slow. And so – I don't think, um, you know, I don't think it's a lack of focus. I, you know, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I think you're right. I think the more opportunities like, you know, before 
you know, I would play three or four big events a year and I would put too much pressure on myself to capitalize in those events. Cause I knew I wasn't going to have many opportunities mm-hmm. and you know, now it's a long season and I've been in this position a couple times already. I'm a lot more comfortable in that position. You know, I know it's not going to be my last opportunity. So I think that's kind of helped me too. Um, just as far as my mindset and, and not making too big, uh, making the moment too big because, you know, I've had, like, I got, I've had a couple top tens in the past years, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking you better do this now because you're not going to get another chance this year. And so I think that's kind of eased my mindset too, as far as yeah, just knowing that it's going to be a long season and knowing, you know, I'm doing a lot of things well that are putting me in these positions. So you just you know, keep putting yourself in that much. position. Yeah. Just keep yeah. putting yourself in that position and eventually something, something will come of it. Mm-hmm. And another thing that um, struck me was in Vegas, like you had a round where it looked like you kind of blew up like a lot of bogeys, but in that round, you also had a ton of birdies. Mm-hmm. And normally when you see somebody get on coverage, you can see the moment be bit too big and that person just blows up. But when you see somebody have that, going bogey birdie bogey birdie that's not necessarily somebody blowing up to me you know what i mean because they're sprinkling in really good shots with really good putts yeah yeah that that round you know i i never felt comfortable on that course i've only practiced it once last year i played vegas with a no practice rounds and i got there this year and played it once and i just i wasn't 100 percent confident in the shots that you need to throw on that course. And I think it showed. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's one thing I've been trying to focus on is my practice rounds, kind of taking better notes on the course and how I want to approach it and how I can kind of suit my strengths and my abilities to each hole. Um, and, you know, not really worried about, you know, guys like AB, their ceiling is so high. They can, AB's got the highest ceiling in the game, in my opinion, just because he can throw so far and forehand, backhand. And, you know, you get kind of lost watching guys on your card throw like that. And I got to remember, mm-hmm. you know, just stick to my game plan, stick to what I can do. Um, and so I think, you know, dissecting each course, because a lot of these courses I'm playing for the first time. I hadn't played yeah. in Texas at all. I didn't play Music City last year. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to learn the course. I'm trying to learn how I can score on it and uh yeah hopefully you know start picking up on little things where i can limit those mistakes that are keeping me from that win so so, so, something that is i would say uncommon is this open bag situation Mm -hmm. with people like it's it's something that you know i think drew gibson was the first one that was a big name to kind of announce that he was going to an open bag. And now that now we've seen you and Eric Oakley both go to an open bag this season. Has that helped your game? Do you feel like that is giving you an advantage? I mean, I don't, as far as an advantage, I don't know how you could measure that. You know, I don't think it's a disadvantage. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I can tell you that, you know, this off season, I got to try all these new discs and I got to try discs that I, you know, had been out forever, but I was never able to throw. And, um, so it was very fun and it's bringing, you know, some more joy into it, just something new and exciting. Um, but I don't know, you know, necessarily if it's an advantage over other players. Um, 
because you know i mean all the companies have complete lineups make good discs so mm-hmm. you know you just got to learn what how your discs are flying and then it just comes down to how many times can you execute that shot so um you know it it's been a lot of fun there's still new discs that i'm testing out and learning and you know replacing in my bag it's not totally set yet but i don't i don't know if you can like quantify it as an advantage are you able to tell us how long of a contract you have they're all one years okay so i think after this season i think you're going to have a few emails to to be reading about um is that is have have you kind of processed processed that a little bit of where you would like to go after the end of the season you know if if so, if a manufacturer is out there and is willing to sh- uh, shell out a, a lot of guaranteed money your way is that something that would interest you yeah i mean you know this is my full-time job now so you know if if i was offered a lot of guaranteed money you know it would make sense for me to take it but it's not something i've thought about so far this season this season is still so young it is young, you know, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of just trying to take it one event at a time right now. And, and, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun working with these companies, you know, they're smaller companies clash just started like a year ago. So, you know, they're building and growing and they're super excited to have, you know, bigger names like myself and Eric and Thomas Gilbert's with thought space. And, you know, the list goes on. So it's been nice kind of, um, I just feel like I'm being taken care of very well. And, uh, you know, if I'm able to, to stay with these companies next year, I definitely will for sure. Nice. Yeah. Um, I guess another question I have is you also have some, I feel like your game travels, you know, I talked a little bit about this earlier with some of the other guests, but your game, I think, travels well, whether you're in the woods or you're out in the open, if it's a long course or if it's a short course. Is there any courses on tour that you feel like that you kind of have circled now that you you know might have a full schedule? Is there any tournaments coming up that you've circled as like, this is the one that I really feel like I have a good shot of, of winning? I need I need to really, you know, make a good opportunity out of this. Um, You know, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, last year was probably my worst year in the last five years. I, I, I don't really have a reason why, but I struggled with longer courses with lots of OB. I, I feel like I led the field every event in OB strokes. And so, you know, I feel more comfortable in the woods, hitting lines, throwing mid ranges, uh, you know, throwing hyzer flips. Um, but you know, the way my game feels right now at this moment, I feel confident about hitting lines, whether it's in the woods or keeping a disc in bounds on a golf course. So, you know, it's not really courses that I'm feel more confident on. Um, definitely certain tournaments, like, you know, obviously everyone wants to play well at the majors, but, um, you know, I really, I love Vermont golf. I love smugglers notch. And so regardless that it's the world's, if it was just green mountain, that's still a place where I would want to play well, just because, you know, I, uh, yeah, it, it just complements, I think my game, but just has both sides of disc golf has the open, has the woods. Um, the course that I'm least confident on that I've never played well is Eureka lakes. So that's a course, uh, I just, I've never figured it out. That front nine gets me every, no matter how I approach it, 
all gas or, you know, super conservative, it gets me every round. So, um, you know, I love Northwood black. I played really well there last year. I think I shot like two or three down both rounds and then I go to Eureka lakes and just give all those strokes away. So that's a course where I'm, I'm excited for the challenge. Um, but it's definitely a course where, you know, I I'm the least confident on. Yeah. Like you said, those first few holes, they can bite you real hard, real fast. And then all of a sudden now you put yourself in a hole and now you kind of go through the middle of the round and the back nine you're pressing and it's, it can, it can get away from you in a hurry. That's, that's a, I feel like that's a very well-designed course of where it can, it just puts you under pressure from the first tee shot. You're just under pressure and you just never, I just have never, I, I'm with you. I've never felt comfortable in that course. It's it's funny because it's like, uh, it starts off, you know, with that first shot and you can kind of unload. Um, and when you're practicing, it's like, it, it's all easy. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I got the first hole. This is the easiest shot ever. 90 foot jump putt. Okay. Birdie. You get to the next one and you're like, oh, I could throw any shot here. Roller, mid range sidearm around the corner. And then you get over there and then you, you throw the hyzer over the road or you pinch one like through the middle and then the next one, you're like, oh, I'll split it over the sidewalk. And then the tournament starts, and it's like, what if I don't clear this first shot? <laughs> yeah. And then you juice it, and then your upshot, you're like, oh, there's a right-to-left crosswind here. Like I got, And then you're safe, and you're 30 foot up the hill on a right-to-left crosswind. You're like, okay, get to the next hole, and you're like, I don't think I can throw a shot inbounds <laughs> off yeah. of this tee. Like, <laughs> how is this possible? Your upshot is like so thin up there. And then you're like, I'm never on the next one. You're like, I'm never throwing it over this out of bounds ever. And you try to throw it straight. <laughs> you kick straight OB. And then all of a sudden your rounds in shambles. And yeah. I, I think it's a hilarious how a lot of courses are like that. Practice, easy. You'll shoot 10 under. Tournament starts and it's like, what is this place? It's, and why do happens, I feel like yeah. I drank five Red Bulls all of a sudden? <laughs> it, I, I think last year. I started out par par and I was feeling good and I'm like, okay, I got this front nine dialed. This is going to be it. And then, you know, I missed the gap on three kick OB four. I throw an ACE run goes OB long, right. And all of a sudden I'm two over and I'm like, come on. I just, I don't know what it is <laughs> with the baseball course. field hole. And you're yeah, like, exactly. what do I do here? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and 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 then the next, up and, yeah. The next hole too. Yeah. It, that, that is such a, it's such a unique course too, because you know people are going to shoot double digits out there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like you got you're two over through four, and you're just like, all right, I got to birdie the rest of the holes now. There's no, yeah, there's and nothing you're else. About, you know the three birdies that you got at Northwood Black the round before, and you just gave all those back already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it can be, uh, it can be very frustrating quick. Uh, any thoughts on doing commentary in the future? People, people have been uh, mentioning that they love the sound of your voice. I, I love the sound it. of it. Oh my gosh! You could be on our podcast whenever. It's <laughs> <laughs> got that it. deep uh, rumble in there. I know. I don't know if that's because it's late or what, but yeah, no, I I did it uh, for the Pittsburgh tournament last year, Silver Series. Oh, okay. And I had a blast. Um, I got great feedback, you know, I, I thought it was a lot of fun and uh, kind of a unique situation too. Cause I got to the last round I made lead card. So I got to commentate on myself, which was oh, wow. uh, kind of interesting, but you know, I would love it. You know, I, I kind of told Ian Anderson, um, you know, if the, if the opportunity ever came up, you know, call me, I would love to do it again. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, it, it feels like the spots are, are kind of filled at the moment, but you know, if an opportunity ever came, 
yeah, mm. I, I thought it was a blast. I love doing commentary. It will definitely be interesting to see kind of as disc golf ages and as pros become, you know, trans transfer from playing mm-hmm. professionals to, you know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of pros have kind of just gone into like, you know, the master's division and kind of continuing there because yeah. there weren't those opportunities to do anything else. Now more and more opportunities are coming. So it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how some pros break away from their, you know, when, once their career is over and maybe go into media or go start their own podcast or whatever it may be. But the more and more opportunities like that are uh, coming and it'd be very interesting to see kind of where that goes in the next five to 10 years. Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, the sport is, uh, it's just changing so fast and there, you know, opportunities are endless. And so it's something that I never, you know, really thought about when my professional career is done, what's next for disc golf for me. But, um, yeah, it is kind of, it's kind of fun to think about, you know, I was, I was kind of joking around with Sexton a little bit, a little bit ago, and he was saying his goal is to stay relevant in disc golf long enough so that when it gets into the Olympics, he can be like the coach or the team captain. That's what oh, he wow. wants to do. So, <laughs> I mean, you never know, like, yeah, you, you never know what the possibilities are going to be in a couple of years. So, or there could be kind of like a Ryder cup situation. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, America versus Europe or something like that. That could be very, I know they do yeah. something like that right now at the European open, but more of a, a bigger event. Uh, another question I have for you. What, what are some of your goals this season kind of moving forward? Obviously I know you're probably, you know, eager to get your, your first big win on tour, but do you have anything else kind of like just with how it is traveling, being away? I mean, I know being on tour full time is a lot different than, you know, having a normal nine to five job. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I think at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, everyone says, you know, I want to win a big one. And that was kind of, it felt lofty to me. It didn't feel like something that could actually happen. Um, but now that the way this season has gone, that confidence, you know, that is probably my number one goal, but honestly, you know, I just want to enjoy it. I just want to make the most of the experience. Um, I want to, you know, I'm giving, I'm giving up a lot, like, you know, my fiance at home and, you know, that career, I don't want to take what I'm doing for granted. Mm. Um, so, you know, I want to, I never want to give up. Like, you know, if I can have a cash streak, I think that says a lot about consistency and not giving up and, you know, going through a rough stretch, but battling back. And, and, uh, so, you know, I think I gave up too easy last year with the frustration of not playing well for a round or two. And, and, um, yeah, so I'm kind of just focused on making the most of each week, trying to enjoy just being out here and, uh, you know, not quitting, I guess. Are you, you playing? Win, oh, I was just real quick. Gilly, are you playing blue Ridge this week? Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Yeah. If you end up having just, you know, let's say you just top 10 out and maybe sprinkle in a win in there. Um, and you do that consistently. Is it, is there going back to that other life or is, or will this just <laughs> have to be it? You know what I mean? Imagine like you have, like the success you're having right now, let's just say that just continues. He's, he's going to be asking like, for that bag. He's like, yeah. give me that and then bag. You, and then you're a top 10 monster and then you get the big contract. I mean, that home life, they're going to pay you a lot. 
to yeah. not have that. You yeah. know, I've I've committed to the to this season and next season, um, and then okay. going to reevaluate at the end of next season. And so, you know, if if I do you know, play very well this season and play well next season, even if I don't play that well next season, but you know, I just, that's kind of where, when I, you know, when I made the decision to come full time, I wanted to give myself two years yeah. um, and then reevaluate from there. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to really even think about that this year and then probably not even until the second half of next year. But, you know, if I do play well and, and, you know, I'm having fun and it's working out with, you know, my personal life, my disc golf life and, and financially it's, it's a responsible decision. Then yeah, I'm going to keep going for sure. Um, go I, I, I wish more people did that. Cause I think what, what you just d- said, I, I hopefully people didn't overlook it because I think so many people change, change is so scary. And I'm sure you probably went through that same thing with you and your fiance of like, like a massive change in my life. It's a very scary thing to do. And I think a lot of times people get comfortable with where they are. And even though they have these ideas and dreams and all this, it, it is scary to take that leap. And, and Sai even kind of mentioned this a little bit when we talked to her. But I think the way you're going about it is the smartest way. You set a time frame and you say, I'm going to give my best effort. I'm going to do everything I can for this amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to reevaluate the end because there is also something to be said about if you keep just slamming your head against the wall and nothing's changing, you might need to look at a different profession or go a different path. But I think what you're doing is great. And obviously you've seen success right away. And I don't think that success is going to go anywhere. And uh, I, I think, you know, I even think two years from now, the opportunities that you're going to have in disc golf are probably going to outreach what you even, you know, thought or could imagine. Right. I think, I think you're going to have some some really awesome opportunities to be around this game for a very very long time. So, um, I Yuli, do I do uh, I get first pick this week in in our picks? I don't. I think so. Okay, I'm taking James. <laughs> but what I was saying <laughs> is, I think pick. it's called it's called adulting, and it's being mature about it. You know what I mean? And that's what obviously you were talking about like, no, I want a family. I want a home life. I want those things. That's being an adult. And when you have that stuff, it allows you to slow down and be like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think ahead. Like I feel like a lot of people are immature in the way that they come into the game and they just think that it's going to be rainbows and butterflies and I'm going to be the best. And then all of a sudden, you know, two years later, you don't see those guys anymore. I've seen, it's lucky because there are people Brody was making fun of me because he's like, you know everybody, dude. Well, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people like James and AB gr- grow up in the game. But I've also seen a lot of people, and they're gone. And that happens a lot. And so oh, I respect that maturity, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, James, before we let you go, I got to ask you. You might have you heard it a little bit with uh, our previous guest, but Pet Peeves. It's everyone's favorite segment that we have. We want to know what pet peeves you have on the disc golf course when you when you're walking off the disc golf course and you're and you're headed to your car and you just had a bad round and you've got that person following you for an autograph and you're just like I'm in the parking lot at my car. What is it that really gets you going? Oh, that's interesting. Um, 
you tell know, them, tell I them kinda, ABs. Tell you okay, got, yeah, sorry, a, a, yeah, AB has. I, I got to tell you, AB. Sorry, <laughs> AB. He came up with the phrase "am eyes." It's am when eyes. an amateur throws a shot. No, when you throw like, a shot, and or when you am, throw a shot, and the AM's going, "Get in the basket, get in, get in oh, go in, go yeah. in," and then it lands. <laughs> it lands like twenty feet short. Uh-huh. Like never had a shot. Yep. He calls that. He calls that am eyes. I think that's. Oh that's, man. I love they do that. it with putts all the time too, like running a sixty footer, and they think they make it, and then you know it's eight feet short. <laughs> you knew it wasn't going in. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good one. That is a good, I could see, I could see that happening a lot to AB too, because you know he throws so hard, everyone's so stoked watching his disc fly, they just yeah. think it's going to go in every time. But it comes a hundred feet short on a par <laughs> seven hundred foot par four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I don't, you know, I my. Mine well, is you know, the I classic. Think what bugs me. Oh yeah, I, it bugs me when people like complain a lot or look for sympathy when something you know bad or unlucky happens to them. I don't. It just bugs me. I don't know why. You know, I try to. Not a lot of stuff bugs me. Like you have to work hard to piss me off. I, <laughs> I'm happy like 98 percent of the time, but you know, luck comes and goes and it evens. I like to think it evens out throughout the round. Maybe I just say that so I don't get too stressed about it, Mm -hmm. but you're going to hit trees. You're going to get a bad kick. You're going to get a good kick, but certain people just focus so much on the bad kick and want, you know, they like turn around and look at you for a reaction and they just want sympathy from you. And then, you know, the next hole they get a great kick and they're still like talking about the bad kick they got two holes ago. And Stuff like that. I don't know. Like when I played disc golf, especially, you know, a couple years ago, it was like a vacation for me. Like, you know, I used to think like, you know, I could be at work right now. I'm on the course, you know, I better have a good time. Mm-hmm. I better not come out here and be grumpy and have a miserable time. You know, that's, it's just not worth it for me. And so I've kind of kept that mindset. And, you know, if there's guys on the card that are just having a miserable time and bringing everyone else down, that kind of pisses me off a little bit. Like if you're having a bad round and you're grumpy, that's fine. You can do that. Take your time, take your space, but don't, you know, look at me for a reaction. Cause I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> I think that's where caddies come into big, come into play because if you have a caddy, now you have that kind of barrier of where mm-hmm. if I'm upset or I want to let off some steam, I can do it to my caddy where yeah. I think, I think in the past players have just been very comfortable with being like, Man, why is that tree in the middle of the fairway? Come on, man. What do you think? And you're just like, bro, I'm I'm trying to get ready for my shot. I don't really want to have this conversation right now. So I I feel you for sure. There's definitely some players that are way more comfortable, I guess you can say, with like striking up a conversation with you about their game or how lucky they are. And you're just sometimes you're just like, I I don't really I don't care. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> it's kind of true, you know? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I just don't care. I just don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, you know, I don't, like I said, I'm super, I feel like I'm super easygoing. Not a lot of stuff pisses me off, and but just don't bring down my mood. Like, I'm out there to have fun, you know? I don't need well, you bringing down the mood. If I ever get the opportunity of playing with you on Lee card and I get a bad kick, I'm for sure turning around looking at you and being like, 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll be ready for it. I'll have a I'll have like yeah. a sympathy card ready to yeah, go for you. you. Oh, let me tell you this. If you're ever on my card, I guarantee you're not gonna be in a good mood because you're gonna be in a hundredth place right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see you have a good time when back down there with the scrubs, my man. Oh man. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll play first round together, Paul. I'm All right, be, bet, bet. Well, be you're gonna get chipper Paul in that case. <laughs> All right, oh, Yuli, you got you got the final question. Yeah, uh, I like to ask everybody just to keep it, you know, positive. Uh, who on tour do you look at, and you look at their game, and you're just like, man, that's nice. Like that guy has a nice game, you know, like a MPO game crush, we'll call it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to take certain parts of people's game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I like I like Dickerson's game a lot because he's kind of one of those guys I feel like that has his game plan, knows what he's throwing, like doesn't do a lot of crazy, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but he just, you know, everything, I feel like he simplifies everything and um, just executes. And I yeah. think that's kind of who... Not necessarily who, but like what I want to model my game after, like simplify and execute and, you yeah. know, highest percentage shot, um, nothing crazy flashy. Uh, but, you know, as far as watching someone play, you know, I think AB is pretty far up there. I think Simon, you know, I love watching Simon play cause he's so smooth and, um, I just like, you know, he's kind of one of those guys. It seems like he's out there to have a good time and that's kind of, yeah that's the mindset I want to take when I go into a round. It's always interesting playing with those guys where, you know, cause I'm not very good at, I, I, I don't care to know what you're shooting or whatever. So mm-hmm. at the end of the round, when you're doing scores and everything, like Dickerson's one of those guys of where it's like, all right, Dickerson, you, uh, I got you at 12 under. And I'm like, you shot, you shot 12 under. <laughs> It's yeah. like he just kind of goes through his round, and like you said, there's nothing there that you're just like, "Oh my god, this guy's on fire!" But he just mm-hmm. he just put, and I I think there's something to be said about that kind of that kind of gameplay where just they make yeah. it look easy, so you're never really just in awe of like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they're doing what they're doing right now." Yeah, you know, I, like I've tried to emulate Macbeth and be like laser focused, and you know that like the the Kobe Bryant like Black Mamba, just you know you're in my way and I'm going to go right through you mentality. And I, that's just not who I am. Like I don't Mm -hmm. enjoy playing that way. And I don't think I play as well when I'm, when I try to play that way. So, um, but you know, obviously whatever you can take from someone like Paul, who's been amazing for so many years, you know, I learn what you can from him. But I think for me, the, the mindset and the enjoyment of the game holds a higher standard than, or holds like more success for me than, you know, being laser focused all the time. For sure. All right. Well, James, we appreciate it so much. Good luck this week at the blue Ridge championship, man. Um, should be a good, hopefully, hopefully stay dry. Hopefully the weather. Yeah. It it looks like most of the rain Friday is like during the early morning. So maybe we'll be all right. All right. Well, we'll cross our fingers for late tea (laughs) times, but thanks for jumping on, man. We appreciate it. And uh, good luck this weekend. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for having me. Of course. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was James Proctor there. Uh, Some people are saying that Dr. Proctor as a potential nickname. The (laughs) proctologist was also another one I saw. 
Uh, I love I, that. If you guys are listening to this on on a podcast or you're tuning in later, you're missing out. The live chat, I, I, I sometimes sneak my eyes down there and see what you guys are writing because some of the stuff is, is cracks me up. Um, but okay, quick, Yuli, I know this has been a long podcast. My goodness, maybe this yeah. was a terrible idea to have guests, this many guests on. I don't know. Uh, but real quick, we just got to go through a couple things. Yeah. Blue Ridge Championship this week, mm-hmm. uh, just north of Marion, North Carolina, playing at North Cove, the Gorge. Uh, the women uh, are playing at Boulders. This is also the tournament, the courses that College National- Nationals just played. Yes. I have a practice round up with Yuli, so, or not with Yuli, sorry. Uh, maybe next time, Yuli. I have a practice round with Ezra up, so if you want to check out the course, get a little bit more you know, familiar with it, you can go watch that on YouTube, or you can also go to PDGA's YouTube, and they have coverage of all the courses where the College Nationals was held. So you can watch all that stuff and check it all out. That goes down this week on the Disc Golf Network, Friday through Sunday, the Blue Ridge Championships. Going to be a really hard course, I think. Okay. Really tough. Lots, oh, wow. lots of OB. Um, you can't spray it. And it's just a demanding course. Now, I say that someone will probably go out and shoot 30 under and win a tournament. Yep. But this one in practice rounds, it just feels like a lot of demanding shots, which I like. I like the course. I'll be curious to hear what you have to say about it next week after we're done playing it. But there you have the Blue Ridge. We'll give our picks here in a little bit. Real quick, though, Yuli, I, I asked on Twitter, what is the most prestigious course in disc golf? We just got done with Augusta, the Masters, one of the most pre- Augusta National, one of the most prestigious golf courses in the world. I was curious, does disc golf have that? What, what, what do you consider to be the most prestigious course right now in disc golf? It has to be USDGC. I mean, kind of hands down. Um, different feeling when you go to that tournament. Uh I guess I take that from when I first started in in the game. I remember that was one of the ones that hooked me in on the game. Is I had an AM career, I won AM Worlds, and then I I got an invite to the USDGC. You get to play with the previous winner of the USDGC. And when I got there, it was the first place that was like announced you by name and your title for being there. Um, it, it was the first place ever where you had to qualify to get in. Uh, and so with that being said, plus it's a major U S the U S title, all those things I feel like makes it prestigious because it's kind of like set the standard for, I, I think it was a tournament way before it's years, you know, like the payouts were always really good. Um, back in the day, like if you got top 20, you, you, you know, you won a thousand dollars and now we're kind of catching up to the, to every tournament's kind of like that, but yeah, I'd have to say USDGC, and I don't think anything really comes close. All right. All right, first available. Let's not forget it. First available, we're talking about what was what was the fail of the week. College Nationals trophy, Yuli. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? Let me just uh, stop with the baskets. I have never seen the basket is just, I was thinking about it. If you win a soccer tournament, you don't get a goal. If you win a basketball tournament, you don't get, you don't get a basketball hoop. These are just objects that don't look good. They don't look good as trophies. 
Let me the, let me the tell you what. I have so many as trophies trophy. as baskets. It's it, it, it just does funny. not look good. It does not good look good. Please, please stop with baskets. Do yeah. do anything other than baskets. It is. I mean, worlds when they had like the the chain. Uh, it's it, it, stop with the baskets, man. All right, stop with the baskets. Okay, um, let's do our picks. Let's get our You're picks up. in. I'm You're up, up, sir. I already said I'm going James Proctor number one. All right, he takes Proc. Doctor Proctor has is off the table. Oh my gosh, what the heck just happened? I'm still here. Don't worry about it. No, I know. I think. Did I just lose my notes? I was just typing my... Oh, my God. I think Silas kicked me out of my own note thing. All right. Silas is going to do it. Okay. I'm not going to touch it. All right. All right. Silas, or Silas, throw me full screen while Yuli, while we close out the show here with our picks. Yeah. We can still hear Yuli. That's fine. Here's what. Here's what's happening. Okay. I'm going with... Even well, though... Wait, 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 wait. Real quick. I have no idea who's playing this tournament. Okay? Because... I know for a fact Ezra's not playing this tournament, and he's still on here. So, this user be beware. A, this could be bad. Yes, hey, I don't should know we be able to pick? Could, should we be able to pick a backup? One backup. Do we do a fourth pick? No, I think we just have to send it. I think we just no, have to like, send it. And hope. What if you did? F- you did three picks and then a a backup in case one of them doesn't play. I think we still just have to send it. All right, let's send it. I don't it. think people want to see backups. I think we just got to send it. I'm trying to go on who I've seen at this tournament. I'm to where pulling, I know they're gonna I'm going to play. I'm going with Ricky Wysocki. Who can't we pick real quick? See, I don't even know if Ricky's playing this tournament, but okay, you can pick Ricky. I have not seen him at the course. Well, um, I know his his name was not on the list, and now it is. Wait, weren't you just hanging out with him recently? Yeah, but his is name. Is he playing? I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! All right, dark horse pick. Uh, you get a second one as well. I know. Let me just just let me do my thing, my man. Take your time. <sighs> There's a lot of good players t- out t- there. You can't. We good... can't. We can't pick Calvin Heinberg. We can't pick Paul McBeth. We can't pick Chandler Kramer, Joel Freeman, Kevin Jones, or Gannon. A Burke. lot of the good players are like. Are like, like I, you, I don't think Dickerson's playing a, this tournament. I know that's what I was looking at. I want to pick him so bad, but I don't know if he's I don't playing. think he's playing this tournament. Okay, I'm gonna I'm going to go with. I just hope you don't pick my guy. <sighs> I have to go with. Don't you dare do Dude, it! I have no clue. <laughs> Is Kyle Klein? Kyle Klein's got to be playing. He plays everything, doesn't he? Oh, we already picked him, though. Uh, we did last not week? pick him last week. No, Kyle Klein's on the board. I'm taking him. Ezra's not picking. Or Ezra's not playing this tournament. All right, you're taking Kyle Klein? Yep. Okay. Um, I'm going to go... Uh, so you went Kyle Klein, and you, your first pick was who? Ricky. Ricky. You, you went Ricky and Kyle Klein. Okay. I'm going to go with Matty O. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go... Oh, man. This next pick. It's just... It's like, who's here? Um, yeah, it is. You know what? I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Vino Makalov. Ah, good Makalov. pick. I, was, Not I, I had Makalov. my eye on him. I I'm had going my Vino Makalov. 
Good luck spelling that, Silas. Um, you can just put Vino. We know who that is. Uh, all right, final pick for you. I'm going to go out on a limb. I got to tell these guy... people in the chat real quick, telling us who to pick. Who's on the PDGA website right now, is it's not guaranteed that they're playing. Yeah. So even though you're saying yeah. they're signed up, that doesn't necessarily mean they're actually no. playing. Because Ezra is still on this PGA thing, and he's in Augusta playing W.R. Jackson. So, right. okay, continue. All right, I'm going to go with a bit of a wild card, except for this, this guy is kind of the Silver Series king. Mm. I'm going to go with Luke Sampson. Ooh, I don't mind that at all. At some point, I think we're going to try to jinx each other by picking each other. Because then it's like, because then it's like you're like in a top ten situation. You're like, but wait, Yuli's gonna get points because he picked me as a top ten. You wait, gotta make I'm the gonna switch. Oh, I have to do the, it every time. Yuli See, switch. I did this on purpose. The Yuli switch. <laughs> the Yuli switch. I completely sorry, forgot Luke. about the Yuli switch. Yep. Sorry, Luke. You're not. Oh, you're you're, you're switching with the person you just picked. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm gonna. I'm going to not pick him, and okay. I'm definitely going to go with one Bradley Williams. Ooh. Because you said it was tight. It is and tight. And it was like, oh, I like Bradley Williams. You got to throw it in, in bounds here. You got to throw it in bounds. All right, there we got it. You got Kyle Klein, Ricky Wysocki, Bradley Williams. You have James Proctor, Matty O, and Vino Makala for myself. I am currently in the lead by three. But man, it's it is tight moving forward, and I like this new, I like this new setup where we can't pick the same players moving forward. I think that makes us have to think a little bit harder moving forward. But hey, that is the podcast. My goodness, we did it. Longest podcast, I think, as of right now. Big shout outs to our sponsor of the podcast, Double G Jerky. Uh, thanks to Steez with the the stats as always, and thanks to our guests this, tonight, Simon Lazat, Sayananda. Anthony Barella and James Proctor. And as always, thank you, Yuli, for joining me in another adventure of tour life. My gosh, do you have anything to say to finish we're it rival- out? We're rivaling Smashbox for the longest podcast this- in the history of podcasts. Yeah, we're not we're not long podcast people. We gotta figure this out moving forward with the, the guest but situation. We got we gave the people what they wanted. People are gonna really love this episode. I mean, we got a lot out of uh, of those players. Um like you said, there are some parts where I, I think I'm going to go back and listen to myself mm-hmm. because I mean, pretty captivating guests. So thank well, you, Brody. If you agree with Yuli and you're like, you know what? I did really like this podcast a lot. Make sure you drop a like on the video, subscribe on the YouTube channel, become a channel member, AKA part of the TLC tour life crew right here on YouTube and leave us a review on the, uh, you know, Apple podcasts and Spotify. So we appreciate all that stuff. We thank you all. And uh, Yuli, I'll see you probably tomorrow. Everyone else, I'll see you next Wednesday for Tour Life. Later!